Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to a Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. And uh, another banger to finish off the week. Um, you know, we've had just such amazing turnout. I want to thank everyone that's joined us, whether it's on YouTube or on the podcast over the course of this week. And uh, we're going to finish strong. We've got a marble race at the end for those of you joining us on YouTube. Always a fun way to finish it up. But before then, a great NHL conversation with Scott Burnside, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press to touch on Jets, the Bombers, Elks, and we're going to touch on another Hockey Canada, a very concerning story that broke earlier today with that. Um, but I'm really looking forward to starting it off in about 20 minutes or so with the new head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus, who's going to join us for the first time live here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So uh, a great lineup today and a great way to finish off what's been a huge week for us here at WST. Uh, before we get going, I just do want to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Coolbit Canada, Princess Auto, Wallace and Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Aikens Lake, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, and our friends at Canadian Club Whiskey. Let's get this thing going and uh, welcome in Michael Remus. Remo, what's up? Are uh, you feeling like the weekend's here or what? Yeah, it's nice out. I'm ready uh, for this bomber game this evening. I'm all hyped up on CFL. We had some great games yesterday. Um, uh, ooh, the Red Blacks can't seem to get in that win column, but uh, weekend's here. I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we'll get to that game in a minute. Um, <laughs> the, the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got we, a feel for Paul Apolise. Yeah, we also do a big show with uh, Rick Bonus. Coming on, you got all your questions ready. You know you're going to ask him about uh, what's going to what's going to do with Dubois. You're going to ask him. Oh yeah. First question yeah. for bonus. Who is he are, trading first? Who are you trading first? First question. <laughs> are you a miracle worker? That's the first question, as uh, as discussed earlier uh, earlier this week. So obviously, think, Rick's got the uh, the coaching staff set. We'll talk a little bit yeah. about that. And and I'm interested to know. I mean, if you get a job on July 1st, what's What's the next couple months like? I mean, uh, what exactly, uh, you know, is being done? Obviously, there's a lot of communication with players. We'll get to that. Um, and working on, you know, what he's seen from last year's team and how that hopefully improves next year. Uh, so Rick Bonus coming up in about 20 minutes. Uh, I did rip around today. I got to give a shout out to uh, the guys at Superstar Sports. Reem, we were talking about those CFL upper deck cards yesterday. I got a box right here. And see Cody Fajardo with his invisible uniform. Uh, and I'm hoping to get a Colt Perfetti rookie too. So I grabbed a box of uh, Upper Deck Series 2. So maybe while we're loading up the marbles, I'll crack a pack or two on the uh, on the show. And again, this is a not spawn, hashtag not spawn uh, uh, announcement. But the burger I just had from the St. James Burger and Fry Company was an absolute 10. I'm not sure if you've ever tried it before, but uh, there you go. There's there's a little there's a little burger tip from um, someone that has their fair share of burgers. Unbelievable sandwich that uh, I picked up earlier today. Um, listen, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about this with uh, with Hammer a little bit later on, Remo. But um, you know, before we kind of yuck it up and talking about you know the CFL last night, and uh, hopefully have a great conversation with Rick Bonus. Um, Earlier this morning, Hockey Canada came out with a statement um, of information on another 
what sounds like very serious sexual assault involving members of one of the Canadian national teams. Now, this is going 20 years back. I'm just going to read you some of the statement from Hockey Canada. Yesterday evening, Hockey Canada learned of an alleged group sexual assault from 2003 involving members of the 0203 national junior team after being contacted by Rick Westhead of TSN and CTV with disturbing details of the alleged incident. Mr. Westhead informed Hockey Canada he's spoken to multiple witnesses who provided him with explicit descriptions of an assault following an interview with Conservative Member of Parliament John Nader, who's in possession of the same or similar information. The details in Mr. Westhead's email were deeply disturbing, and Hockey Canada immediately contacted Halifax Regional Police as Halifax was the co-host city, co city of the 03 World Junior Hockey Championships and also notified Sport Canada of the information shared with us. We've urged Mr. Westhead to immediately speak with the police and to encourage his sources to do the same. We also employ M uh, MP Nader to contact the authorities with any information here his office has received on the group, alleged group sexual assault. Uh, Hockey Canada is committed to bringing in an end to the culture of silence in hockey. That is why we are publicly calling for anyone with knowledge of this incident to come forward to police, and we are being transparent in how we learned of this alleged assault and the steps we are taking to address it. Uh, prior to receiving Mr. Westhead's email two weeks ago, Hockey Canada staff heard a rumor about, quote, something bad at the 03 World Juniors, but were given no details of any sort. We immediately reported this information to Sport Canada. In order to learn more, Hockey Canada hired third-party investigator to try to find more information. They were unable to learn anything before we received the details mentioned above in an email from Mr. Westhead. We believe the alleged incident from 2003 should be investigated by the authorities. We urge police to open investigation into this disturbing situation. Hockey Canada will cooperate and support the authorities in every way we can. And we once again urge anyone who may have relevant information about this alleged incident to contact Halif uh, Halifax police immediately. Uh, and then it goes on to, um, you know, talk about hearing anyone that, uh, you know, knows of incidents like this in the past to please come forward and report them uh, with a phone number, info at Abuse Free Sport. Um, it, I mean, this is horrible to hear. Um, unfortunately, I think that many of us are numb to this sort of, um, of news when it comes to hockey, the hockey culture, dating back to everything we've heard about what happened with the Chicago Blackhawks, how that was handled. Um, and obviously most recently, everything that has come out of the, uh, the more recent allegations of a group sexual assault involving the world junior hockey teams. And I'll say this, this is a very different um, approach that Hockey Canada has taken. I think that they, the culture of silence in this sport has existed for a very long time. And this is the first time we've seen something so forward uh, by the organization. Now, again, we're talking about something that dates back almost 20 years. Um, but at the same time, um, it's horrible to hear. And Hopefully this is a positive going forward that this will be treated as the crimes that uh, are alleged as opposed to workarounds, um, avoiding publicity, avoiding shame and embarrassment for the organization and the people involved and avoiding ultimate responsibility for these acts, Reem. Yeah, shout out to Rick Westhead. Um, appears to be doing the work that a the investigator that they hired um, wasn't able to do and bring out some of these details. Um, you know, when reading the story, 
I mean, I'm extremely, you know, you have the 2018 one, and then to hear this from the 2003 incident, I mean, I'm very sad. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, this happened to the victim. Like, it sounds horrible. But, I mean, it makes you sad. I mean, I have a Hockey Canada jersey behind me. Like, I'm kind of embarrassed that it's up there. I mean. I was um, thinking about that earlier today. Like, I don't know. It, it, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, mm. if you talked about the most valuable brands in Canada among sports, Hockey yeah. Canada was right at the top. I mean, the Leafs maybe, I think, probably money-wise, but right next to it was Hockey Canada. And, you know, I sort of I talked about this a bit with Scott yesterday before this came out in that, you know, there's a such a dark cloud around that organization and the way they've handled things and what we are hearing more and more has happened in the past that's never come to light and never been dealt with via justice. And um, you're exactly right, Remo. I think there's a lot of people that, um, you know, are feeling the exact same way you are right now. And um, not that this is at all important compared to the gravity of these things that have been reported or investigated. Um, but I've thought for a long time that in some ways the World Junior Hockey Championships has been created into this super tournament that we all watch on television. It's really turned into a big cash cow. Um, and that's part of the reason why they're redoing it uh, or doing it again in August. This is going to be uh, so different from any other Hockey Canada event I think they've had in the past. And I think there is going to be somewhat, you know, a shame or embarrassment of everybody involved uh, in and around it. And it's uh, it's absolutely sad because let's face it, the young people and probably the majority of people outside the highest level of Hockey Canada have not been involved in anything like this. Um, but there is an effect and it's a stain. You know, Jeff Hamilton's um, uh, piece on the Graham James um, ordeal was called a stain on our game. And um, this is certainly a stain on our game and uh, more information and more details continue to come out. Yeah. I, I just read the, um, the athletic has a story about the 2018 incident. Um, Katie string, Ian Mendez and Dan Robson really goes through, um, you know, the details of the story. They're at the golf tournament, you know, but drinks are flowing. Some people may or may not have been, you know, of the age 19, because it is a junior team. And they just, you know, the players felt entitled and they took advantage of a, of a young woman. And I mean, I don't know what happened in this 2003 event, but imagine that it's, it's similar. I'm sure details will come out, but for Hockey Canada to come put out this statement, um, it's kind of chilling seeing that, you know, more and more comes out. I know Jeff is going to come on later. He wrote the stain on our game about Graham James. That was like two years ago now. Um, he wrote, he just tweeted out his response was, get used to these as more and more feel empowered to come forward to share the truth. Your support matters. So um, kind of, it's kind of scary, you know, thinking about how much you supported these teams and knowing that, you know, not some, you know, they're doing these kind of acts behind the scenes. Well, you know, you're exactly right. And, and you know, for, for the average fan that has never been involved in anything like this, would never support anything like this, and is frankly shocked at what we're hearing, um, you know, it certainly puts people in an awkward situation when it comes to, well, for instance, this upcoming tournament, uh, all, as trivial as that may be. Um, and then, of course, <clears throat> you know, these young men, both in the more recent case, in the 2018, many of them are now National Hockey League players and some National Hockey League stars. 
And I would imagine over the course of the next weeks and months, we'll get more clarity and details as to who may have been involved in this alleged uh, assault that was reported today in the Hockey Canada statement. Um, and, you know, all you need to do is go look at that roster. And, I mean, there's a number of household names, a couple guys that are probably going to the Hall of Fame. Um, and much like we've seen in the last couple of weeks where people that have been able to express their innocence have come forward and done that publicly, I wouldn't at all be surprised that that ends up happening very soon. Um, with the number of guys that are pushing 40, making sure that people know that they weren't involved in something that happened almost 20 years ago. So, um, uh, you know, we had to touch on that right away. I mean, we spoke yesterday with Scott Stinson about the 2018 incident and where that's going right now. Um, but obviously with the the nature of that statement put out by Hockey Canada today, I uh, had to hit that off. And once again, just to echo your thoughts, Remus, Rick Westhead, Katie Strang, I mean, these are real investigative journalists that are doing the work that, frankly, the hockey media either has not been interested in doing or has is not able to do. Um, but it is somewhat crazy that all of these stories that are shocking and rocking the hockey world aren't done, um, you know, being brought out by Rick. Now, credit to Katie Strang. She, of course, has covered hockey and has done you know, some incredible work for the athletic and before their stop at ESPN on the game. Um, but very different reporting right now and um, not what anyone wants to hear, but you can only hope that these sort of revelations get a justice and B prevent it from happening again. And uh, we'll talk about it with Jeff coming up a little later on. Uh, we got a bomber game day tonight on a little happier note. Uh, no Greg Allingson, no Jackson Jeff coat. Um, looking forward to this one, Remo. Eight o'clock start tonight for the Bombers and Elks from Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. And as we mentioned, um, you know, some more great action last night. Say what you want about the Canadian Football League. It's never dull and it's never boring. And even with two struggling teams like Ottawa and Montreal end up coming down to a thriller. And as someone that had Ottawa plus three, I'm not sure I'll ever get over Darvin Adams drop last night, which would have brought them to within one point. They could have gone for a two-point convert to win or at least tie the game. And our old pal Lapo is now 0-6. And, and I listened to a little bit of the post game in Ottawa last night, and let's just say that um, the honeymoon's over for Lapo and people are demanding results, and some are demanding a change. Yeah, wow. I was actually surprised on the last play. Uh, Caleb Evans went for some dump-off. Instead of just oh. trying to huck, huck it into the end zone, I was I had Trevor Harris in DraftKings, so I was like, let's get this to overtime, let's get some more more points. Although I wonder <laughs> if they would have gone gone for two. And I mean, Ottawa's defense has been, uh, I mean, they looked solid the first two games, mm. but they just have gone downhill. I mean, you put up forty against uh, Trevor Harris and the Alouettes, and I came on here yesterday and said Trevor Harris has really underwhelmed. Um, I mean, it's going terrible for Ottawa. They don't have a win, however. They are, they are still in it. They're still in it. They got zero wins, but good thing Toronto, who's in first and is playing on Sunday now, they have, they have two wins. So not quite out of the question here, but it's not going well for Ottawa. I mean, look, your quarterback gets hurt. You're never going to have an easy go um, if you're losing your starting quarterback. They've had some nice stuff, but yeah, it's... It's not good for Ottawa. The, the 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 last three minutes of that game were absolutely bizarre. I mean, some of the calls that took place, there was a PI on Montreal that was somewhat sketchy, and then two it, high tackles by 44 on Montreal 
uh, and one that was thought that this was going to be a first and goal, and it got reversed by the command center. It was that bad of a call and turned back into a third and 19. Okay, I thought at the end of the game, that final drive, I was like, why are there so many penalties here? This is clear. The refs, like, trying to give Ottawa a chance to get in. It seemed really silly, and I, I saw a lot of people on, on Twitter thinking so as well. I I was on Ottawa plus three, and even I thought that maybe the Ottawa, the uh, referees potentially were on my side as well and hoping to get this one to OT. Um, and this is the thing about Ottawa. They had a great start to the game. I mean, they were up. They had a touchdown. Lewis Ward missed a field goal. They kicked another one. They were up 11 zip, and it could have been much more. Um, but then Trevor Harris got going. And at one point going into that last drive, I believe him, he only had five incompletions for the game um, and was quite efficient. It's pretty clear. I think Montreal is a better team than Ottawa, uh, but both of those teams continue to shoot themselves in the foot so much, whether it's coaching, it's bad penalties. Uh, it, it all compounds it, and um, it's a lot worse for the Red Blacks right now. And I feel for the Red Blacks, man. They've got a great crowd, um, you know, a lot of strong, a strong fan base. This team is now 6-32 and 32 over the course of the last three years right now. And um, Paul Apolis, as I mentioned, the honeymoon's over. And, um, you know, losses like that will will haunt him. And I'm not sure whether they make a move at any point during the season like Montreal did. Um, I would normally say no. But the fact of the matter is, Reem, that, you know, the East is still so wide open with the team. I think it's 2-14 and 14 against the West right now. So, uh <laughs> You know, maybe they do decide to make some sort of a change sooner as opposed to later, as opposed to waiting till the end of the year if they think something can be salvaged. Yeah, I think a lot of these games have been close with the East and the West, but the West just seems to pull away. And again, Ottawa's defense has been rough. Gave up 40 to Montreal. Well, last week, 25 to Hamilton. That was Evans on the final on the final drive. Yeah, 28 to Saskatchewan. 34 to BC. I mean, that was a great game too. The BC Ottawa game where BC won by three. So Ottawa, I mean, they had close games against the Bombers, but the defense hasn't been there. And now you lose your starting quarterback. You're, you're kind of screwed. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Feel for, uh, for Lapo. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then the late game. Um, I mean, another really exciting game. It didn't quite have the points. I think that everyone expected uh, certainly a more pedestrian game for Nathan Rourke. Hamilton with that tough spot flying over to BC and BC's defense showing out. Uh, but again, coming right down to the wire and BC wins by five. Nathan Rourke showing maybe his age a little bit with that pick with the 133 left. Um, that being said, the BC defense was the best unit on the field last night, Remus. And that was the uh, big part of winning that game against the Ticats. Yeah, I was pumped to see Lucky Whitehead. Uh, big game for him. You know, it's kind of been... Uh, someone taking a turn each game uh, for their receiving core. If it's Hatcher, Rhymes, they've all Katoy, they've all had big games. James Butler had out of the gate hot, but Lucky Whitehead, uh, eight catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown. Big game for him. And Nathan Rourke did look kind of human. Uh, he got off to that really hot start, but two picks. Uh, you know, didn't throw for 300 yards. Doesn't matter though. They do get the win, 17-12. Not quite the high-scoring affair that BC has had in the past. Well, all the other games have been going to the over. Um, I was talking, I was jumping on with uh, Gabe Morenci last night on Sports Grid, and we were talking about it, and I think it was 63% so far this season. And again, if you look back to last year, those totals went down significantly. I mean, it was more in the mid-40s, and you know, we were used to having regular CFL lines well over 50. Uh, I think that's changing a little bit right now, but uh, 
underbetters won last night. So we get to tonight's game between the Bombers and the Edmonton Elks. Again, Jeff Hamilton will jump on with us a little later on, and we'll tee that one up. But uh be interesting to see how things look, especially on the defensive side of the football without Jackson Jeffcoat as the other bookend with Willie Jefferson. And I think big opportunities for guys like Dalton Schoen, Rashid Bailey, Drew Wolitarski, and of course, uh, the... Um, the, the new Calvin Johnson clone in Agadosi to make an impact without Ellingson, who has been the most targeted receiver by far in the Canadian Football League so far this year, dude. Yeah, it's going to be a big test for uh, the offense. They've already gone with a number of changes, losing Andrew Harris as well, Darvin Adams, as you said, Kenny Lawler, and the receiving group just keeps changing even more. One guy, you know, if you're playing fantasy, who I think is going to get elevated to a starting role, Janarian Grant, you know, he can return kicks. I wonder how he's going to do... Uh, receiving they try to do some sweeps with him you know the Edmonton offense Edmonton I think they're missing James Wilder and you know the quarterback situation was Cornelius like it hasn't been hasn't been great for Edmonton so I still think the Bombers are going to win or are they going to be able to cover I'm not sure and how is the offense going to look I mean the Carlton Agadosi show last week I was like (laughs) in the crowd be like this guy is crazy Going up for these balls, like making it look easy. It's like like Trey Roberson, one of the top TVs yeah. in the league. Just, I mean, with no shot, no shot, no chance. It's like um, on the Simpsons when like uh, Homer Simpson goes to catch the fly ball and Daryl Strawberry out of nowhere just goes up and leaps in the air and grabs it. That's Agadosi, but more of a football. That was a baseball analogy in a football situation, but I'll take it. But uh, let's see. I mean, is he going to gas out again after uh, after a half? Anyways, I mean, if but as in a red zone end zone weapon the guy was pretty awesome so uh we'll see how it goes i think dalton Schoen though big game big game for him yeah wst bump incoming for dalton Schoen yes. after joining us on the game this week make sure you put him in your DraftKings lineup or i'm not sure you know i know we'll do this a little later on but i may as well just do a quick uh check we've got any receiving yards here uh dalton Schoen receiving yards over under 65 well, I think we we're almost obligated to bet the over on I'll that take for, it. Uh, for, I'll do the, it. Uh, for the WST bump. Let's put our money where our mouth is over at CoolBet. Um, we'll hit that later on when we get into uh, when we get into some numbers. All right, listen, we are expecting Rick Bonus to join us in a few minutes. Uh, before we do that, uh, let me give a big thank you to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, who feature great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries great time to barbecue weather's going to be beautiful this weekend and you can get your barbecue on with delicious lean bison steaks or chicken as well as hot dogs burgers and great non-alcoholic drink options at vita health like sober carpenter beer and clever mocktails everything you need for a great summer day they've got great delicious lunch options as well at their grab and go deli like vita market salad soup sandwiches and the famous falafel salad as well. And if you can't make it down to one of the stores, visit their new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule delivery or in-store pickup. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. A lot of people on the street still talking about suit day on WST a couple days ago. Big shout out to our friends at F Apparel who have been making guys like us shockingly look good for a number of years. Obviously, they're expanding beyond the city, but starting it right here in Winnipeg. And um, they've got custom suits beginning at $400. You can customize the inside of it as well. You can see the guys at the uh, at the NHL draft if you'd like. Um, and a couple of great summer specials as well. 
three custom shirts for $210 right now. And of course, it's wedding season. If you are planning a wedding uh, or in a wedding party, talk to the guys about getting you and the fellas set up and you'll get a 15% discount on all your suits for the wedding party over at F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street downtown and online at fephapparel.com. Hey, Wallace and Wallace are not only Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists, but they're also the leaders in boathouse doors. Hey, if you're heading out to the lake this weekend and, you know, whipping around and, and you know, a boathouse catches your eye, chances are the door is from Wallace and Wallace. If you're thinking about maybe tweaking out or getting an addition to your little piece of paradise, Wallace and Wallace are the people to talk to. You can give them a call at 452-2700. They can also help service your boathouse door as well with uh, cottage calls, as it were. The rest of the gang at Wallace who can arrange time to come out and give you an estimate or a service call as well. Find out more at wallacedoors.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston for more. And hey, I know many of you are going to be getting on the water this weekend. Uh, by the way, shout out to our buddy Paul Edmonds, who he and his little guy Nolan last night, I think they wrote a crow duck banging a couple beauty walleye he put up on Twitter. we got a couple weeks to wait before heading out to Aikens Lake. But if you're thinking about uh, our very special fly-in fishing trip in Manitoba where you can be on the water in less than two hours to a little piece of paradise at Aikens Lake run by the best folks around in the Turen family. Check them out online at akinslake.com and get planning for a 2023 visit, whether it be for family and friends or a corporate outing after a couple years of staring at Zoom Zoom calls and Zoom screens. Akinslake.com for all your information on Akins. Um, all right, Manitoba Amateur Golf Championships happening right now. Uh, I saw a couple of our Breezy guys. Braxton Kuntz, the junior champion, was the round one leader. Eric Johnson was in third place right now. Uh, we'll do a little update on that event later on. But, of course, the uh, event is brought to you by Not Autocorp as the title sponsor of the, uh, of the event. And on the PGA Tour right now, uh, I can tell you, the 3M Open is uh, just town outside of the Twin Cities. Probably have a few people that will be heading out there. Uh, Tony Finau. Tied for fourth. I like that. Emiliano Grillo, Scott Piercy at minus 10. And uh, let's see how far we have to go down for a Canadian flag on the leaderboard. Roger Sloan tied for 17th. Adam Hadwin also tied for 17th. Although Adam Hadwin playing this afternoon, not out on the course yet. All right. As we mentioned, uh, we will talk to Scott Burnside a little later on. He's got a really interesting piece at Daily Faceoff on the... Um, difficulties for Canadian teams right now um you know it's kind of come to the forefront over the last couple of weeks with uh, what's happened with Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk certainly in Calgary um and then questions as to where the Winnipeg Jets go forward after the uh, announcement from Pierre-Luc Dubois representatives that he'll be planning on testing free agency so make sure to stay tuned for that and then of course Jeff Hamilton coming up a little later on and uh, really looking forward to uh, to that but before we get to uh, some bomber talk and Jeff Hamilton jumping on a little later on, as well as Scott Burnside. Pretty fired up to have the opportunity to welcome in 
the new head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus. Of course, it was quite the day on July 1st when uh, we found out that Rick would be the head coach of the club and a big day for the Bonus family as well. So uh, let's check in midsummer with the new bench boss of our Winnipeg Jets, Rick Bonus on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Rick, thanks so much for doing this. It's uh, great to have you on the program for the first time, and congratulations on uh, the new gig and coming back to the peg. Well, thank you very much. Really excited about it and really looking forward to the challenges that ahead. Uh, but no, we are, we're very, very excited. I'm very fortunate to be given the opportunity to coach the Winnipeg Jets. Very proud and given the, that honor of coaching the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, listen, really excited about it and looking forward to getting the thing going again in September. Hey, I've got to ask you about uh, Canada Day. Um, before we found out that you were going to be the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, your son Ryan was announced as the assistant GM for the Ottawa Senators. I mean, what was the uh, what were the phone calls and texts <laughs> like that on both sides of uh, of the line? I'll take you back a couple of days prior to that. My daughter-in-law is married to my son, Ricky. She is the vice president of suite and ticket sales for the Colorado Avalanche. So she, her team wins the Stanley Cup. Ryan, a couple of days later, Ryan got his gig as assistant GM with the Senators. And then a couple of days later, uh, my announcement came through. So we had quite a week, but we were very excited for Ryan. Um, he's worked hard. He started with the, the Atlanta Thrashers. They moved to Winnipeg with them for a couple of years, went on to Pittsburgh and was their director of pro scouting prior to being named the assistant GM in, in, in Ottawa. So uh, we're very happy for him, very proud of him, but we do know he, he's worked very hard and we know he's going to make the best of that opportunity as well. Um, so about yourself, I mean, you talked a little bit about it when you were introduced, but um, tell us how this all came to be when you started talking to the Jets and at what point um, it became clear that this would be a good fit and you wanted to uh, wanted to take the gig. Well, it's, yeah, so a couple of days, so probably a week prior to the announcement, uh, Chevy and, and Larry and Zinger called me. Uh, one of his first question was, would you be interested in, in interviewing for the job? And uh, absolutely. Like Judy and I were talking we don't, you know, so we don't need a job. We don't have to go to work. If we want to, if we go to work, we want to a go to work with good people and the the ownership with Mark Chipman and the and management they have. They're they're really really good people, and we're very excited to work for them. We wanted an opportunity to coach a good team and 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 to have another shot at the cup. And listen, we all know the team had a bad year last year. It just lost its way, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, for whatever reason. But we're going to get that thing, that team back on track. Uh, but so it, it kind of fell, kind of fell into place for about a week. They we had a two-hour talk one day. A few days later, they called me back, and we had another couple of hour chat over the phone. And um, so it things went well. I told them what I thought <laughs> the problems were and the issues that we have to fix going into next season. Um, so, anyways, we hit it off, and I was very fortunate because I know there's a lot of great candidates uh, that they interviewed as well. Uh, all, all good coaches, and I know Trotsy turned it down. But it, for me, looking at it, I'm, I know I'm running out of time. And uh, but I want to work with good people, and I want a chance to win. And Winnipeg fit the bill. Um, Rick, you were of course in Dallas, so you got a chance to see quite a bit of the Winnipeg Jets in the Central Division from your perch in Texas. What was your view of the team, and uh, did you have thoughts on maybe why they didn't perform to expectations last season? Um, and the expectations were pretty high for obvious reasons with the talent in that room. Yeah, and listen, every team goes into the season with high expectations. We all do, and uh, as we should. And um, 
So it's different. We went in there the last couple of years and was just very impressed with how tough they were to play against. They were on top of you. They were big. They were fast. Wasn't a lot of room out there, and it was just a hard-fought game. Uh, Later in the season, we went in this year, and we just – when you're coaching behind the bench, you you get a sense of the opposition as well. I mean, you're worried about your own team, obviously, but you're getting a sense of the other team and are they on top of their game and – I think we caught them. We, I know we won. We beat them in overtime late, but they just didn't seem to have the same, uh, the same chemistry and 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 will on the ice that they had previous. And again, for whatever reasons, uh, you move on. And we're, but it just wasn't the same team that we played that played previous. That's basically all I can tell you. Uh, but I, I'm a believer that there's a lot of good talent in that room. And I can tell you, I've talked to every player on this team, and every player on that team is disappointed with the season last year. They're all looking forward to getting back on the ice and proving last year was just just a bad year. That's all it was. And they're ready to move on. But what's impressed me a lot has been the attitude of the players. I've had some great talks with Mark, Mark Shifley and Josh Morrissey and Blake Wheeler, and they're all excited uh, to get back at it. Because, again, when you're a pro athlete and you have a disappointing year uh, and, you, and you don't live up to expectations, it's a long summer. And, and it's been a long summer for the players already and i know they're anxious to get back at it and again prove that last year was just what it was was a bad year you know i mean when things go uh, wrong the way they did for winnipeg i mean there's all sorts of speculation from fans from media that sort of comes with the territory in the national hockey league rick um but you know we did hear some pretty um eye-opening statements from players at the end of the season and i think it was more uh, it was quite obvious that the frustration of losing had gotten to them how much of that you know because you'll hear all sorts of things about all oh, things need to change the culture i mean you know more about what makes a, a winning culture what makes a good culture how much was the frustration at the end of the year just a dissatisfaction on the performance on the ice and um what, if anything, do you need to do from day one to try to get things back on track when uh, you get the guys here for camp? Well, I think the, I think the players themselves know, again, the culture wasn't where they wanted it. And you, you can't fix the X and O's and the systems on the ice until you have everyone bought in, until you have everyone dialed in and everyone's on the same page and everyone's on this in the same commitment every day. Uh, they, they lost that. And I think they're, they're frustrated with that. So the motivation uh, and the culture change is already taking place. It, it is because of their disappointment in last year, their disappointment in themselves. They know what better than anyone. Like, everyone has these has their own thoughts and views and opinions, and but they're not in the room. Players ha- and coaches have a lot more information than what's going on than anyone else because we're in the room every day. So – Everyone can have their own opinion. You're going to get it, and you're going to get a whole bunch of different looks at things. But for the most important thing, listen, is this. The players are disappointed in last year. They're frustrated in last year. But the most important, they're ready to move on. They put last year behind them. Um, They know they're a better team. They're anxious to prove they're a better team. They have put last year behind them. And we're going to have a very positive outlook going into camp. It's going to be a tough training camp, and uh, there's no question. We have a lot of work to do. It's not going to be an easy camp. It's not going to be an easy turnaround. The same old cliche, you don't flick a switch, and all of a sudden things are going your way. There's a lot of work to be done off the ice before we get on the ice. And we're we're, we're taking those steps now as the coaching staff and the players are now we, there's communication to make sure that we have their their mental focus where it should be 
prior to going on the ice. We get on the ice, it's going to be a lot of hard work. Rick Bonus, new head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, joining us at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Rick, you know, honestly, even if you weren't with the Jets in this role, I mean, you'd be one of the best persons for me to ask this question to because of your incredible experience coaching in the NHL. But what, in your opinion, makes a great team culture and team chemistry? And what are the foundational pieces of that? I think you have to build like a family. There has to be family, a family atmosphere. And when you have a family atmosphere, you're you're caring about your your family member. You're caring about your teammate. So when you're caring about your teammate, you're caring about yourself. You're caring about the outcome of the game. So um, every player I've talked to, and I, it surprises me that there's been so much negative press on the culture there because every player I've talked to uh, that's under contract now coming back tells me how close a group it is. Right. So they they believe. And that's all that matters, uh, that they are a, clo- a much closer group than, than people give them credit for, and that there's a, a, a much tighter group than people give them credit for. But to answer your question, you got to have that family atmosphere. There's got to be a lot of caring for your teammate. You've got to want to help your teammate. He's got to want to help take the help so he can get better. But you've got to come to the rink every day in the right frame of mind, the positive frame of mind ready to work, ready to do whatever it takes for the team to win, whatever it helps your teammates win. But you've got to, you've got to care an awful lot about each other for, for that to happen. And from every, again, everything I can have no repetitions here, everybody, every player seems to think that there were a much closer group than people are giving them credit for. And that's all I need to hear. I don't need to hear all the outside stuff because, again, people aren't in that room. They don't know. But there's been like six or seven weddings. There's been a great turnout from teammates supporting each other. Those are the things you look for that, that have a family atmosphere attached to it. Uh, you mentioned talking with uh, with the, the the players, and you mentioned some of the the the, the main guys that are Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and uh, Josh Morrissey. Um, what were the what were some of the the first conversations you had, maybe with some of the younger players? Um, uh, did any of them stand out as far as uh, you know something that that was funny or just the um, that really kind of took you back that you maybe didn't expect in a player when you talked to them for the first time? No, not, no, not really. Um, I, I don't know the players as well as I'm going to before the season starts and as well as I'm going to over the course of the season. But no, nothing really. But well, honestly, I was struck just by how sincere they were that they know they're, they're better than what they showed. And, and they really, that's the most important thing right right there. Uh, so that that's the motivation they have during the course of the summer with their workouts, preparing for the up-and-coming training camp, preparing for the upcoming season. Uh, but there's been there was nothing really strange. They're all uh, they're all very optimistic, very excited, uh, yeah, very positive, and and it, this, it was unanimous. Like we can't wait to get back on the ace. Can't wait to get everybody back together, working together, and get this thing on the right track again. You know, I mean, after a disappointing season that that, that the team had, but considering everything you've said, I mean, do you think this team maybe goes into next season with a bit of a chip on its shoulder, trying to? Uh, you know, prove many of the naysayers wrong and say that last year was a bit of an aberration and that they are much better? Or does last year not mean a damn thing and you start off fresh day one with a new feeling, a new head coach, and a, and a new mission? That, that's it's, it's all of that. It's, it's all of the above. You, you have to have a chip on your shoulder. You do. You've got to have, you got to play with swagger. You got to play with some swagger. And we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, so the chip on the shoulder comes from the disappointment of last year and, uh, 
self-motivation. I'm better than that. This team is better than that. So it's all, it's everything you just mentioned. And, uh, but the excitement is there. Uh, the enthusiasm is there. The positive out, outlook from the players is there. And that's, that's what I want to hear. Uh, I'm not hearing all the, the doom and gloom stuff. And again, the players have put, we've all put last year behind us and that's the most important thing. And we're going to move on and we're going to, again, we're going to have a positive outlook going into camp and it's going to be a tough camp but it's going to be a productive camp. And when the puck drops October 14th, we're going to be ready to play. Rick, uh, obviously the, the city and the organization and the hockey world's a little different from the 1.0 era to 2.0. But um, I mean, you were here as a player, you were here as a coach. Um, what was it about Winnipeg um, that made you uh, excited? Like aside from the organization and the team on the Jets, but the city, your memories of it that um, thought that this would be a great place to continue your head coaching career. Listen, we were there for the first whiteout. <laughs> and I know we're aging ourselves a little bit there. But I just, listen, the old arena in the 80s, man, we, we, had, some great ho- we had some great hockey teams. We had a great rivalry with Calgary and Edmonton in, the, in those days. We, could, we beat Calgary a couple times in the playoffs. We had a tough time with, with the, oh, the Oilers. But our, our players in the 80s, like when we played Edmonton, they played their best hockey. The difference in that with those series was Grant Fuhr. And I ended up working with Gretz and Fuhr, Grant in, in Phoenix many, many years later. And I just kept telling that you guys had Fuhr's. We didn't have Fuhr. We had a rotation of goalies. But I just remembered how loud the arena was, the passionate following of the team. And, and we loved that. Listen, at that stage of our lives, our three children were all young. Our daughter was born in Winnipeg, Kristen. She's our token Westerner. The rest of us are all Maritimers. But we just, uh, we all had a great experience living in Winnipeg and nothing but fond memories. And we had good teams and we had competitive teams. But the fan support, the enthusiasm, you, you have to love that. And I always talked a lot about this. When I left Phoenix, you know, I went to Vancouver. Like in Phoenix, you, you could lose 10, 8 in a row. No, no one cared. The guys are golfing. And no one cares. We went to Vancouver, and right away you felt, okay, we're back in Canada, right? The team means something. The game means something. The league means something. This is important to the city. Mm-hmm. And I I know that's the feeling in Winnipeg. The fans, are, they, have, they, they have tremendous support, tremendous enthusiasm for the team, uh, very passionate following. We had that when we were there before. I know what's there again. And listen, we're, we're all going to look forward to next year. For sure. You know, uh, there's been a lot of talk this week, not or the last couple of weeks, especially with what's happened in Calgary with Johnny Gaudreau leaving and their challenges with Matthew Kachuk and the challenges of Canadian teams. And um, I'm just interested in your perspective, Rick, on getting guys here into the Winnipeg Jets that embrace being Winnipeg Jets, that embrace this city, embrace everything that comes with it, which involves, you know, everybody paying attention to the ups and downs of the year. I mean, uh, how important is that, I think, in your opinion, moving forward to um, have a group of guys that, um, that that really do embrace this city and the opportunity to be playing, albeit in a colder or smaller market, uh, but make the best of it? Hey, it's cold in Minnesota. It's cold in Edmonton. It's cold in Calgary. It's cold in Toronto. Come on. I think there's too much made of that. Uh, you know what? The, the, the players, I've had five or six players tell me that. They want players there that want are proud to be a Winnipeg Jet, that are proud to represent the city of Winnipeg, province of Manitoba. They want players in that room who want to be there. And uh, that, five or six guys came right out and said that. We just want players here that want to be here. And that's all that matters. And then the family, the culture that we talked about, that just takes over automatically. 
but that's that's the feeling amongst the players. That's what they want. Um, they want guys that, and that's everyone I talked to. They want to be there. I, like I didn't have one guy say, you know, I don't want to come back. I want to get traded. Not one person, and not even an inclination of not wanting to be there. Every one of those players that I talked to want to be in Winnipeg, and that's music to my ears. Rick Bonus, new head coach of the Jets, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, so, Rick, you get the gig. Uh, you've talked to all the players. Take us behind the scenes. I mean, for a head coach moving from one team to another, what's the checklist uh, for the summer? I mean, what uh, what sort of preparation are you watching a lot of the games? Is it uh, more working with the new coaching staff, which we'll get to? I mean, uh, or is it more life stuff, like trying to figure out how you're going to get all your stuff to Winnipeg and where you're going to be living and that sort of thing? <laughs> Well, yeah, we've got that all. We've got that all covered already. So we're all we're all set there. Uh, it, it's a, yeah. We now we have our coaching staff put together. It's it's getting them on the same page. Uh, we we all have different backgrounds now, and we're all coming. Like Scotty's coming in from Washington. Brad at Laura I worked with in Tampa, so I know his hockey mind. Marty Johnson's coming in with a great reputation. We just can do. We're going to get together here in a couple of Zoom calls over the month of August. Uh, to get everybody on the same page and with with Mark Morrison and his staff with the Moose. So uh, it's all that right now. It's, it's, but you know, I like, I, sometimes when you're watching the other team, so I, I could watch, you know, I've, I've looked at enough from an outside coaching perspective, you, you don't know, is the player making a mistake or is he doing what he's told to do? Right. So you, you can't, I'm not going to bury myself in the, in the, in the Winnipeg Jets video because I don't know if that player was doing exactly what he was told to do or was he making a mistake. Unless you're in that room, unless you know what they're being told, it's it's hard. I, I broke I've broken down their video video of what I think is what they were trying to do. So I get that. Uh, I know there's 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 areas that we're going to improve on. We have to improve our defensive play. We have to improve our ability to play as a team without the puck. And we've got a great goaler in Connor, and we're going to do a better job protecting him. Um, so the the video that you look at, yeah, there's stuff we're going to do that Washington did that we that we did in Dallas that we're going to get together as a staff and come up with the best system suited for the Winnipeg Jets that are going to give us the best opportunity to win. Starts with our goalie. We've got a great goalie. Let's protect them. We don't have to give up as many chances and shots against as we as they did. And again, is that what they're being told to do? Is players just make mistakes? Who knows? But we're going to fix those issues. They've lots of speed and skill up front. They've got the green light to go, and we'll we'll tie in all the all the defensive side of the puck when we get the puck, so that we're we're very dangerous and effective with the puck as well. We've got to make it an exciting team. You know, I just want to ask you about one thing with the, the kind of the turnover as teams go. Uh, and in Dallas was a perfect example. I mean, you had Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan that were the big guys on that team, the most highest paid players. And over the last couple of years, you saw the emergence of um, uh, facts, or excuse me, uh, Rupee Hints, Jason Robertson, certainly Heiskanen on defense. But, you know, hearing Tyler Sagan, who, you know, from the outside might have, you know, we might have seen as taking maybe a diminished role, if you will, speak so highly of you in the environment that you had. How challenging is that to... Um, you know, to be able to elevate guys, but not at the expense of others and have everybody buying into the ultimate team goals, the reason for the decisions. The ultimate team player can see who's hot, who's not, who's playing well, who deserves to be out there and who doesn't. 
when Rupe and Robo and, and Pavelski's line is playing like as they were, if you're a team guy, you're happy for them and you're happy for your team. And yeah, Jamie and, and Tyler took a little bit of a backseat. Their minutes were still good. They were still uh, on, this, on the power plays and they're playing important minutes, but they were great teammates and they could see the importance of Rupe's line. They were the best line we had. And I, I was talking to Rupe a lot last summer, like you're our best player. And you are, and this we could see that two years ago, coming out of the bubble. Um, so, he, and it was time for him to take charge, take over the team, and he did. And same with Miro. Miro, you're our best defenseman. You got to take over the defensive core, and he did. Uh, Robo, you know, he had played 50 games. You were hopeful that all of a sudden things would kick in, and they did. But it was clear to every teammate that they we had that they're our best players. It's time for them to take. They're younger. They're faster. They're they're energized. Let them go and accept your role. So that's a come back to the communication of the from the coaching staff and me and me in particular. I've got to go to them and explain things to them. But that's that family atmosphere. That's that we're all in, whether it's you know, I'm first line or second line or third line, we're all in. So that's the atmosphere you want. Rick, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your time off to join us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk and tell you we got hundreds of people here in the chat welcoming you in, wishing you well, and we'll look forward to seeing you in training camp. And hopefully we've got a great season coming up for your new team, the Winnipeg Jets. We're all looking forward to it very much. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. You be well. There it is, thank Rick you. Bonus, new Jets head coach with us in WST. It was a lot of fun. Uh, very much looking forward to uh Training camp coming up in a couple months and uh, seeing what we've got with the squad when the puck drops down at Canada Life Centre this year. All right, we're going to bring in Jeff Hamilton and uh, get his thoughts on a number of topics. But thanks again to uh, the Jets and, of course, Rick for joining us today on WST. Uh, water break, folks. Time to hydrate. No Ken today, but uh, there's always time to hydrate with our friends at Culligan Water, the water experts in Winnipeg, locally owned for over 65 years. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180, whether for the home, the cottage, or the office. Culligan's got you covered. Find more online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, Manitoba battery ready for the weekend, as always. If uh you have battery needs for some of those fun summer toys, a Sea-Doo, a boat, a hot rod you're working on, a golf cart to get you from campsite to campsite. Manitoba Batteries got you covered with the best price in town and the best variety of batteries of all shapes and sizes. They're the home of the Deep Cycle 24 for just $99.50, a price that cannot be beaten anywhere in town. And the bottom line is Manitoba Batteries going to save you time and money with the best prices in town, and they'll deliver it to you citywide or you can pop by and see him at the coolest JetBlue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue. 783-8787, open 8 to 6, and find out more online at manitobabattery.com. Royal Sports, speaking of the weekend, getting outside this weekend, jumping on a bike, Royal's got them, want to play some disc golf, tons of disc golf gear at Royal tennis, soccer, softball, baseball, and more. And of course, with hockey season just around the corner, Royal is the undisputed, undefeated heavyweight champ of all things hockey as well, not to mention the best selection of licensed merchandise in the city. Pop on down to Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and check them out on Instagram. Give them a follow at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And as I said, big good luck to all the golfers out at the Not Auto Corp Manitoba Amateur. 
especially from the home of the champions, Breezy Bend. Although a big congrats to Elmhurst who nipped Breezy in the Monday Putter Championship earlier this week. We'll give you a leaderboard update a little later on. Uh, but if you are thinking about a great home for your golf, your family on the golf course, talk to Corey Johnson over at Breezy Bend about getting on that waiting list for next season. And of course, breezybend.ca for all information on what Breezy has to offer for you. All right, let's uh, leave head out to Edmonton. Get ready for this game tonight and much more with our good friend, the Hammer, Jeff Hamilton. What's going on, dude? How are you? Good, Huss. Uh, you know, made my mark on Edmonton last night. Uh, hopefully no one's whispering too loud after last night's uh, events. But overall, you know, I, I actually... I actually was iffy about Edmonton and like I like Toronto over the last couple of years, Edmonton's turning around. I like the city now. It's uh, it reminds me a lot of Winnipeg, but um, certainly over the last 48 hours, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. L- listen, I want to get to some jets off season talk. I want to get to the bombers off season talk, but be remiss if we didn't uh, just right off the top, quickly hit on the latest um, news coming out of hockey Canada. This is a very forthcoming statement about something that apparently happened 20 years ago. Uh, once again, the incredible work of Rick Westhead uh, unearthing some pretty horrible things in the past. This one dates back to 2003 uh, with the World Junior Hockey Championship team. Uh, what what was your reaction to both what we learned and the way that it came out, which is quite different than the way that this had been done in the past? Um, you know, it's been the same reaction uh, for me for a while now and you know I, I knew we would talk about it. I'm glad we're talking about it. it's important to talk about it uh you know I tweeted about you know the statement from Hockey Canada you know get used to this this is not going away this is going to be and has been happening for quite some time and I think the frequency of of these stories as horrendous uh you know and disgusting as they are you know they're they're plentiful and these are just the one you know these are the ones you know there's the ones that have been covered up there's the ones that have been paid out. I mean, how do how, how do you look at the last few weeks in particular with you know the you know the great work? I mean, you mentioned Rick Westhead, you know, absolutely an incredible reporter. You know, um, you know the the fact that TSN allows him to do this stuff, and I use the word allow specifically because TSN's a you know a partner with NHL teams and stuff like that. You know, you got to give credit to them too to a certain degree. They're you know, the partner like- of Hockey Canada. I mean, exactly. and like, the World you know, Junior and, and, Hockey Championships, for all intents and purposes, is a TSN-created monolith over the course absolutely. of the past and, 20 and years. Guess what? And guess what? As this, you know, hockey's reputation continues, continues to take a hit, so will the World Juniors productions. All those things are so valuable to that corporation. Moving on, though, you know, Katie Strang, uh, you know, other people who have just, you know, put a lot of work into exposing the game. I, you know, obviously, I'd throw myself into there in the years I've do- dove into this. So my my reaction is... is you know, remain pretty consistent in in heartbreaking disgust. Uh, you know, affects you. You know, when you when you cover this stuff, it affects you. When you read about this stuff, it affects you. Um, but the silver lining and and all this is, and the positive is, is it's finally happening. You know, I mean, I can think of this three, four, five years ago. You know, me going after Hockey Canada, trying to get statements about Graham James, other atrocities and stuff, and and the arrogance. And, you know, the, the, the sheer arrogance, the, the absolute bullshit that is Hockey Canada is finally being exposed. And to see them squirm and be uncomfortable and be held accountable in ways that I bet you they never even imagined they'd be held accountable from, from politicians 
you know what this is so like and it, and it the more i talk about it the more it drives me crazy because i i what i think about are all the people outside of the names i just mentioned who have certainly been doing a lot of great work for a long time you know there's people out there who have been doing work for decades and i'm not talking about journalists i'm talking about people who have lo- lobbying Canadian government, lobbying people for, you know, Sheldon Kennedy's of the world, not even just Sheldon Kennedy, social workers, people who, who have been, you know, people up and who want, who have been fighting for safe sport for decades. And it takes, you know, an atrocity of a story in 2018 for Hockey Canada and World Junior Team to really everyone to wake up. Now we're talking about third party investigative groups. Now we're talking about accountability. Like these are these have been things that have been lobbied since 1996 when Sheldon Candy came forward. There have been groups who have been fighting for these things, you know, for decades. And as much as, you know, that frustrates me that they, they haven't broken through, I'm also very, very, very encouraged that feet are finally being held to the fire. I mean, the Globe and Mail, they deserve credit. I mean, that whole story, like you knew that your hockey right like you I just you just knew that your hockey registration some of that money was going to cover up this bullshit because it's a, a lot of this is a large payments we're talking that you know this is this that was status quo is how can we get rid of this how can we just make sure this isn't affecting us and it was like it was you know as as we we're, we're, we're finally you know seen publicly as this was just part of business like this was part of something like they they were you know this wasn't new and and you know to hear them talk about two or three incidents a year yeah, right. You know, those are those are the ones that were settled. I mean, I imagine, you know, and, and that's where the future lies is 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 essentially having to talk about this, having to confront this, having to realize that, you know, hockey, as much as it is, you know, and I love hockey, you know, hockey was a big part of my life growing up. It's a big part of my identity, you know, growing up. It was, a, you know, a, a, a lot of my friendships, relationships came out of the sport. I, you know, I owe a lot to hockey, but there's a lot of things at the end of the day that hockey takes away, you know, people give so much to it and they don't get nearly as much back. And we're finding that reality here that, you know, and, and this is, and, and, and the other thing Huss, is this is, this is at the highest ranks. We're not even talking about, you know, junior A teams and junior B teams and junior C teams around this country where the consequences and the accountability are even less, you know, and, and maybe the atrocities are even worse. And that's what blows my mind about some of this hockey Canada stuff is, how, you know, when we talk about hockey culture, we talk about these kids, you know, these, these men growing up on, you know, from an early age being put on a pedestal. Like, think about how, think about the stakes at play. You're on a world junior hockey team for Canada. You are facing a future that very few people have. And yet you have the arrogance to sexually abuse a woman. Like, I just, to me, it's just, it blows my mind that we're even talking about these things. And it just tells me that there's so much worse out there and there's going to be, and that's not to, you know, obviously this is horrendous, but the, this is the tip of the iceberg. This reckoning has been happening for years. And the frequency of it now is going to be to a point where who knows what this game is going to look like? Who knows what Hockey Canada is going to look like in a year, two years, three years, 10 years down the road? And my hope is if it can survive, it's that we start moving in a direction where we stop accommodating the 1% of athletes in the sport and start accommodating the 99% of athletes and helping, you know, grow personal skills through a game that everyone should love and respect. And this is just taking beat down after beat down over the last few years. No, I think really well said. I'm glad we got to that right off the bat. And this will be something we'll continue to be on top of over the course of the next weeks and months. And certainly 
I don't think there's any way that it's not going to be in a lot of ways a big black cloud over this rescheduled World Junior Hockey Championship that's coming up in Edmonton in a few weeks. Jeff Hamilton's with us from the Winnipeg Free Press. And just before we get to the Jets, we've got a little bit of breaking news. Patrick Laine's got a contract extension with the Columbus Blue Jackets, a four-year deal, $8.7 million a yeah. season for the former Winnipeg Jet. Yarmo Kekalainen's having himself a couple weeks, huh, Hammer? Well, weren't we weren't we saying this, Hus? That well, who's the winner? These are the, you know what uh, Jets are winning. You know Pierre Luc Dubois is a centerman. Patrick Laine is a lazy forward, and blah blah blah. But it was always going to go but, down uh, to. Uh, uh, I wasn't saying that. No, for no. The was, well, no, you and you and me both. And I'm not. And that's not a pat on the back. I just that, that's just that's just facts. But the, the but but the reality is is the winner was supposed to be the guy who could resign. When it got down to the years of re-signing a player, here we are, you know, on July 22nd, all those, you know, whatever time later, years later, Patrick Laine has signed a four-year deal, one of which is an RFA year, three are the, U, you know, UFA. Um, so, and where, where's Winnipeg? They got a guy who's saying he's going to be, he's, not only is he saying he wants to leave in two years, he's doing everything he possibly can with his agent to hurry that up. You know, this whole like, and then I love the feedback on, on social media as it's, you know, the place to go for, for, uh, you know, insight. Um, this whole idea that like, oh, he didn't ask for a trade, you know, like they asked him a question. It's like, if your, if your agent is telling people that you'd love, like to play for a different team and isn't saying things like my, my, my client's a Winnipeg jet right now, that's where his focus is. Then he's already got not one, but two, two feet out the door. And so if you're, if, if we're now. I don't know if we're in that position. Who knows what can happen with the Winnipeg Jets and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Maybe there can be some kind of turnaround. I don't know how that's going to happen. But, I mean, I guess we have a winner of the trade. Yeah, well, right Not now here. it's certainly looking pretty good for Columbus. I mean, I, I said on this program, it, you know, once this trade is made, um, if you don't if you're not able to get the guy that you ended up with signed long-term, it's going to be a big L. And, uh and you know what? Listen, we just had Rick Bonus on. Rick was awesome. I mean, talking about his conversations with the players. Um, and I mean, we didn't get into each and every one. And I know no. some people asking about asking him about Pierre Luc Dubois. I mean, really, folks, that's a question for Kevin Chevalier off right now. I mean, you know, Rick, uh, Rick's coming in and he'll be coaching the players that are here. Um, so, I mean, I think that would have been unfair to go down. But in our conversation here, the situation that Rick Bonus is going to be going into uh, with potentially nowhere near the change that I think many people hoped and expected right now um, is interesting. And you want to have a new voice. And I mean, certainly he says a lot of things that are very positive and upbeat. And I think that's important to have. But holy smokes, this is quite the job, uh, especially if some of the expected moves or changes don't happen before everyone gets back to Winnipeg and starts another season, Jeff. Well, no, I mean, it's kind of a win-win um, selfishly for media a little bit because if they make some changes, it's like, okay, here's here's a whole new, and for fans, you know, the whole a whole new culture change. I think that's where the Jets are headed. You know, I don't know if, it, you know, if it's not this season, I think you need to do some surgery on this, this roster that goes beyond maybe even dumping just one or two players. Like, I think you need to have the courage to change course because right now you can't just take a few pieces off in my opinion and then expect everything to be better i think you need to identify what your team is you need to find an identity because that was the thing all last season i don't think anyone can point to the winnipeg jets and tell me what their identity is what is it like play hard and fast no um 
defensively no even offensively that's that hasn't been you know their their mo like they have qualities in all those different areas but we really don't know who they are and and i think part of that a big part of that is because of the you know the the lineup you know and and i think what what the reality is is that and what the challenge is for kevin shovel off in the winnipeg jets is not being afraid to optically look like you're losing a trade you can't be a, you know if you look at organizations you look at the boston bruins okay we all laugh at their draft right they could have had barzell they could have had kyle connor they whiffed but they got players and i don't know, like i mean i'm not saying those picks i mean debrusque is one of them obviously but yeah it wasn't got, jacob zaborl or zach sanition but, but, but they survived it they got by they identified their team they found the players and went out now boston is in a different situation than winnipeg you know we all know the challenges that face winnipeg you know as far as free agency and other things you know boston is a an original six it's it's a storied franchise it's it certainly has advantages in in those areas over the jets but i but not to the degree that that can't be done in winnipeg and so it you know but the on the flip side if they decide to run it back if they decide to run it back which you know we, we get reports out here that may or may not be what the the jets are thinking or or forced to do if they can't make deals but if they run it back what a fascinating training camp is going to be i mean we're not even <laughs> going to talk about the upcoming like it's just going to be all it's not going to be about what's in front of us it's going to be all about what what just happened over what has been a tumultuous offseason now the silver lining in that is i think there's still a lot of time and i just have this feeling that we're going to see some fireworks with this team i think we're going to see some things where Maybe what I was alluding to as far as identifying what this roster looks like and making changes, I think we might, this might be the season to do it because I think the Jets' hands being forced. I think there is work being done behind the scenes. Oh, there's right no now. doubt think, about it. I don't think it's sitting on hands. Try, like, the Jets know that they need to address this. The Jets are coming up with a, you know, a plan to, to you know, change things up, to shake things up potentially. And whether that comes through, I mean, the the, th- the reality is you need to negotiate these deals. You need to, you know, you need to, they need to happen. So, like, you know, what's fascinating to, and it's not just the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, if you got, you looked over all the teams in the league, what they would, what, what could have happened, what, what's being done, what efforts are made, what phone calls are, are, are you know, are, are being fielded. Like there, you know, there's a lot of times where, you know, one move, I mean, if GMs could write a book, every GM could write a book, obviously, about the moves that didn't happen, um, I think, but, you know, obviously, we're focused on the ones that need to happen here. And whether that's Pierre-Luc Dubois, which just seems inevitable, like, I mean, I don't know how he comes back, um, not just from a, not just from a, you know, a, his own kind of situation, but from a team perspective, a teammate perspective, um, you know, will you go out publicly and say those things? I don't know how you come back on that. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Blake Wheeler, there's a good chance that Blake Wheeler might come back, you know, if they can't find a, a deal for him, there might be other players that, that other teams like that are willing to give. Because if you look at, if you look at a pair Luke Dubois, you kind of are in the same situation you were a couple of years ago when you traded for Patrick Lyon, unless you're able to find another team with another, you know, quote unquote, disgruntled player you're probably not going to get any deal you're going to win with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't think teams are going to, you know, dump things for, especially with the way it's handled now. So what, what, what is the value of Pierre-Luc Dubois at this moment? And, and, and what are you willing, you know, what avenue is, whether it's picks, I know a lot of, a lot of, you know, fans are not going to like the idea of a Pierre-Luc Dubois going one way and no ready body right now uh, to, 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 you know, step into the lineup 
um, like we saw with the switch of, of Line A and Pierre-Luc Dubois. But th- those are things that those are questions that the Jets are figuring out right now. Um, well, let me and- hit you. Let me hit you with this on Dubois. Uh, because we haven't spoken so far this week, hmm. and it has been all we've talked about for a good portion of this program. Um, wh- let's assume that everything we're hearing is as is, and at some point they're going to trade him. I mean, I don't imagine they'll just run out two years and then they'll let him leave as a free agent. No. So when do you think the most likely time for that deal to be made is, regardless of what happens? When does Chevy get the best return for Pierre-Luc Dubois and pull the trigger on it? And assuming that it's not before training camp, what is that atmosphere like for Pierre-Luc Dubois coming back in after what he and Moroso, his agent, has been up to over the past few weeks? The time to make a deal yesterday. So let's start this weekend to, I don't know, a month from now? Would probably so be you his... think it happens before, but you, you think Pierre-Luc Dubois is gone before training camp? Yeah, yeah, that would be my prediction. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that would be the efforts are being made to because, you know, to, to your second question... I don't think it is a good situation. I don't think you can come out and say that you want to go to a different hockey team, express interest in going to a different hockey team, and then take and then then put on a jersey for a different organization. Like this is as close to a publicly asked trade as this team. And we know that Jacob Truba did it. We know that we know that um you yeah, know, like Truba, Vander, they were more Kane than happy on waiting those guys out. And they were, absolutely. And they were, you know, and that's where I think the interest part is here is that the Jets in the past have proven to have a willingness to facilitate a, a trade with the player in their camp. And they're not in a rush to do it, but I, this is different. Vander Kane was quietly asking for a trade every, every year. You know, we only found that out. It wasn't like we were going into every offseason being like, hey, Vander, so you asked for a trade again this summer. Like, what's the deal with that? We found that out afterwards. Jacob Truba was a little bit more pressure, but there were, you know, other, other reasons, be, you know, beyond, you know, I think Jacob Truba wanted to be here. You know, I think there was, you know, an interest to be here, but there were some, you know, personal things that led him to being traded. And so this situation feels very public. And, it, and, and, and I think this situation is, is weird, particularly because of what we saw from Pierre-Luc Dubois last year. Like, can we look at, like, if you were to say who was the most consistent player on the ice and arguably most consistent player off the ice when it came to, you know, optics and accountability and, and answer for stuff, it was Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, it really was. And it, especially when you look at the year before that, you know, where he had a clearly had a bad season. He rebounded from that. I mean, it was that was the if you were taking what little positives there were from a you know a season that fell extremely short of expectations, Pierre Luc Dubois' play and leadership on this team would have been up there, if not the number one, you know, positive takeaway. And so when you when you when you take that into consideration and look where where it's at now, what the hell happened? I mean, what was this always an issue? Is this just a, I don't want to say a front. I think the, I mean, I was at those games on the road where it was literally just me and him in a post game. And he was passionate. I mean, he taught, he wasn't just saying all the right things. They weren't cliche. He was wanting, you could feel a desire for this, for him to want this organization to be better, more consistent fight for, because he is a competitor. Now I know there were some instances on the ice where he took bad penalties and everyone will point to the fact that he took took the most penalties in the, in the NHL last year. He also drew the most penalties in the NHL last year. So, you know, for me, it's, that's the most perplexing thing. And I think it speaks to the individual here and not just the organization. Cause I think, you know, I think there's, if you look at what's happening, this isn't just Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't know what's going on with that, that draft year, but guys want out. And I think it's a scary thing for Canadian teams, particularly teams like the Winnipeg Jets who are that need to bank on on those you know restricted free agents for success because of what you know because of the challenges of of you know 
free agency and, and, and making trades and stuff like that that are for smaller market teams. So this whole like, you know, Matthew Kachuk, you know, dictating his situation, all these guys that are, are still under contract dictating their situations does not bode well for the Winnipeg Jets. And Pierre-Luc Dubois is just happens to be one of what, you know, of a handful this year. And, and I think it's going to set a pattern. I think this is going to be the new norm as agents and players become more savvy and use what, what at one point seemed like no leverage has turned into, you know, just make a stink. And, and, and that's, that's not, again, not good for, for, for small markets, particularly like Winnipeg. That being said, I mean, none of these other guys have done that. I mean, it's really just Dubois. He did it in Columbus. And now, to your point, he never did it. I mean, I, I don't think there's anyone that has a complaint with the way that he played. And you're exactly right. I mean, at a time when there was a lot of guys that sometimes didn't seem like they were engaged, he absolutely was. Um, and and the bottom line is, nothing's changed. The CBA is still the CBA. The Jets still have two years of team control, which is why I still have such a weird time putting wrapping my head around what Pat Brisson's done here. I mean, this is not a rookie... NHL agent um and in some ways if you think that he's kind of overplayed his hand it's put his client in a very difficult situation and I'll kind of take the other side Jeff in that mm-hmm. I think that the public nature of what they have done has not only has put such a spotlight on the situation and uh for Kevin Sheveldayoff in his situation not only to your own fan base uh and your organization you know that you need to make a good trade but I think also to the other general managers in the league, there has to be quite clear that this is we are not going to be strong-armed. We're not going to be forced into doing something mm-hmm. we don't want to do when we don't want to do it. And if anything, I mean, unless there's a deal where they can't say no to, I'm sure they'll do that. But I'm not sure that that comes up before training camp. And I think for that side, I'm thinking that this might drag on a long time. And we'll see what Dubois made of when he comes back, has to sort of face the music of what's happened this year and see what he does on the ice to hopefully, because it's in his best interest to have a great season. Whether he's leaving Winnipeg in two months, in six months, in a year, or in two years, that next contract, when he finally does sign wherever it's going to be, is going to have a lot to do with the way he handles this season and next. 100%. And I think if you look at history, the Jets aren't willing to get bullied. You know, they're not willing to, you know, they'll play a tough game. And, you know, they, they won't be bullied into a deal. They won't be... Uh, you know, they're willing to wait it out. So everything you said there, Huss, is, is, is you know, like I said, 100% true. Particularly if Pierre-Luc Dubois does come back, it's not like he's going to mail it in and suck for a year or two years, whatever long, you know, forever long he's under contract with Winnipeg. He's going to give his best. But I just think it's one of those things that when you think about, like, you know how grueling, we all know how gru- well, we don't, <laughs> but we hear about how grueling it is to win a Stanley Cup and how, you know, what it takes to be a team and going through all those things. I mean, look at the Colorado Avalanche. Like, they needed to go through growing pains even when they were a, a very, very talented club. And now look at where they are. They're at, you know, they, they're a team. You know, they're a team that cares about each other, the team that fight for each other and everything. So, the, the reality is, is if it's one thing that you, you can strong arm a guy, right? You can, you can force him to put on your jersey and expect for him to be a professional. But when it comes to a team dynamic, when it comes to the moods and personalities, because look, man, hockey dressing rooms at this level are not... These are guys who have, who have all kind of grown up, you know, being treated incredibly well you know there you know and so there's a lot of egos in dressing rooms and it's not just this whole you know 
we're a team, we're all brothers, yada, yada. There are guys that are affected by other guys' moves and you need to have, you need to know you have that commitment in the locker room. Now, it's very difficult to compare in any, you know, the NHL with the CFL or the Winnipeg Jets with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but sport is sport. And whether you get paid tens of million dollars or hundreds of thousands, you need to have in a locker room everyone pulling the right direction and not just actually doing it, but you need to mentally know that everybody is on the same page. And the actions we've seen from Pierre-Luc Dubois have not done that. And just that little bit of, he might be giving it his all, all, you know, on the ice, but if you don't have everybody or the guy who's logging massive minutes for you, you just know he's looking for the first ticket out of town, that affects teams off the ice too. And here's the other thing about the Pierre-Luc Dubois stuff. Don't think for a second that the Montreal Canadiens are the only team that he could be dealt to in the next two years. Because we've also known the Winnipeg Jets won't just give up on your de- demands. And you only need one dance partner. And so I look around the league, and there are teams that might look at Pierre-Luc Dubois, and ju- you know we don't want Pierre-Luc Dubois to come in and strap a letter on his chest. We want him to come in and try hard and compete for a championship. We don't need him to be the conscious of our team and we'll take them for two years and we'll, and you know, we'll, we'll dish them because guess what? A $6 million around $6 million top end centerman like Pierre-Luc Dubois is pretty decent for a team that's already got that crutch and can bring them in. And so I look at around the league. I mean, think about teams like Pittsburgh, for instance, Pittsburgh is a team where they probably got a two year window. You know, you got Sid, the kid playing at the top of his game. Why wouldn't a Pierre-Luc Dubois be solved to go there? You know, like for two years, maybe you don't sign them long term, maybe you do. So I look at a team like that or other teams that maybe look at their window being two years and go, okay, we might not be able to re-sign this guy, but maybe we can dump him at the trade deadline in a year and a half or something and get some pieces back and and still be able to survive. And you know what? On top of that, too, I mean, I think there's a number of other teams that'll be like, you know what? Two years is such a long time. Let's get this guy in here. Let's get it within our group. You're the LA Kings. You don't think that he might be able to get used to living down in Southern California, well, playing there? Well, and here's here's the other thing too. If you have a if you if you're an organization and again that has a strong leadership core that 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 has a room that runs itself that has you know a tight knit group, then you can invite a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois into it. You can invite a guy like even like a Vander Kane into it, and and you can get them to get on the same page. You know, I don't think you have that in Winnipeg. You got one captain who's on the trading block. You got an assistant captain who said prior to the season, now Mark Scheifele's probably going to stay here, you know, for his next two years. I don't know if that's a hundred percent, but he's, you know, it seems that way to a certain degree. Um, unless the Jets get a massive deal for him, unless the Jets get a deal that you know they can't refuse, are you really going to rely on a newcomer coming in and getting and getting, <laughs> you know, mentored by Mark Scheifele? Like absolutely not. Josh Morrissey possibly for sure, but they don't have that core group and I think that's the biggest issue with the Winnipeg Jets is is they don't have that core group to run the entire room I think it's too many groups of people there's too many division now they might all be able to go to a wedding and pose together and smile and get drunk and have a great time for one night but I think it needs to be a bit deeper than that and I just don't think that exists well how how could it exist when your captain's on the trading block and your and your A's or at least one of them, you know, wasn't all that happy and gave up on your head coach last year. Like that's well, not and, an environment you want to invite anybody in, let alone someone that you might need to change. 
Yeah, well, and you know what? We spoke with Rick Bonus before you jumped on him. He talked about, you know, creating, you know, an atmosphere where uh, everyone is in together. He spoke about being sort of a family. I mean, all of that is true. You got to actually do that. And I'm not sure that entirely happens until maybe some of these changes that we've been talking this year do, in fact, happen. Jeff Hamilton's with us from the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, let's move over to the Bombers because we've got a big game tonight um, yeah, uh, in the- Edmonton. Oh, Looking to uh, get to seven and zero, oh, um, couple big, big absenteeism uh, absentees in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Um, no Jackson Jeffcoat, and no Greg Ellingson. Um, both mm. of these are two of the most impactful players. What gets hit harder, the defense or the offense, without uh, those two guys in the lineup? Ooh, good question. I mean, my thought, my first thought was, who's going to make up for the eleven catches that Greg Ellingson had last game? You know, he's getting twenty four percent of the targets right now, I far know. away so the most in the CFL. So absolutely, and and he's and he's coming up huge, right? He's a second down monster. Uh, you know, he's been a reliable piece, and uh, you know, I certainly, you know, I've said this before. I wasn't one hundred percent sure about Greg Ellingson and what he would bring after the year with the Alex, and that wasn't because I didn't think he was a talented guy, because he's been an incredibly great. Um, receiver in this league for a long time. So he's in his, you know, he's 33, 34. Uh, you know, he's getting up there, but he's proven age is just a number and that connection and that chemistry with uh, that chemistry with, with Zach Claris is, is awesome. So, but I think I'd be a lot more concerned if the Bombers didn't have, you know, Dalton Schoen, who's shown, if you will, that he can be a reliable threat as well. So I could see him carrying a little bit more of a load than he's getting. You have Carlton Agadosi, who pretty much just plucked balls out of the air. That wasn't just a good debut. That was a very, very impressive debut and let you think, left you thinking that this is more than just, you know, maybe a one-hit wonder. Now, I wouldn't expect Carlton Agadosi to have to go in and have the exact same kind of night, but I wouldn't rule it out. And just so the fact that you can think that, you know, with, that, with him and, and such little experience, that helps. That performance helps. Rashid Bailey, okay? I think it's 11 catches or 16 catches, whatever, 166 total yards and, a, and no touchdowns. That's not Rashid Bailey that we were expecting this year. So he can take on a much bigger load, and I expect him to take on a much bigger load. And I trust that he will be more impressive than we've seen him this year. And hopefully this is the game, uh, you know, he can remind us of of that hype that we, that we had for him heading into the season. So Greg Ellingson, absolutely no doubt, is it, you know, his, his absence is going to be felt. Um, it's particularly going to be felt when you when you compare the running game uh, that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have had. It's not been nearly as good as we've seen in previous years. I think they're averaging around 84 yards. Um, but the Edmonton Elks are the worst team against the run. So maybe this is an opportunity for Johnny Augustine and Brady Oliveira to, to have a breakout game and have that, you know, maybe get some confidence there. And credit to the Bombers who haven't given up on the run game. As, as bad, you know, as, as not as good as it has been, you know, they haven't given it up. So they've, they've kept teams guessing, which is a positive thing. But the defense is also a tough get. I mean, Jackson Jeffcoat, um, you know, with him leaving, you know, with him not being in the lineup, that just allows teams to scheme even more so for Willie Jefferson. So, you know, Willie Jefferson will probably get they'll lean, they'll lean over to him a lot more, try to take him out of the game. But that opens up opportunities for guys like you know Jake Thomas for you know Wilcox who's going to be taking Cedric Wilcox who's going to be taking over. Um, you know, LB Mack is a guy who's already played some games here. So you know, there is still that push there. And as bad as the Bombers are beaten up right now, I mean, you look at all the names there. There's some pretty impressive names on their injured list. If you feel sorry for them, don't. The Edmonton Elks are way worse off. They have 13 guys on their six-game injured list, all of which 
have either started a game this year or were projected starters in from camp. Like the the hits keep rolling for him, and that doesn't even count Darrell Walker, who's out for them. So that's a that's a wash as far as Ellingson and, and Walker goes. They don't have Ian Wilder in their backfield. They have their a quarterback in Taylor Cornelius. Now, mind you, he did have I think seven starts last year, so he it's not like he's new, but he was wearing jeans for the first few games for the team because he wasn't even on. He was like fourth on the depth chart. So, you know, as bad as the situation is for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or has been, and, you know, they have taken their licks over the last few weeks, the Elks have just been getting absolutely, well, you know, speaking of that, Speaking of that Elks depth chart, first of all, Deron Carter's back. He's going to be a backup oh, safety, yeah. apparently, and we'll see where he makes in. But I was looking at their depth chart. Cornelius is the quarterback. The backup is number 35. Yeah, goalie. is that even yeah. a quarterback? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that I some guy that name. Jones has pulled out of the secondary and said, "You're up next." I forget the name. You have to remind me of the name if I have a sheet here. Um, but he, I think he was only recently picked up, so he was elevated to being like a backup. You know, he gets to put his jersey on and 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 watch. You know, like that's how that's how badly beaten up they are. Um, but you know, and it's funny because they are rebuilding in Edmonton. So you know, people like people who are you know uh, looking at that organization, and the, and the other part too is they got to be hungry. They've lost 10 games at home in a row. The record is 13. They uh, haven't sports. won at home in 1,000 days. Really? Yeah, 1,000 yeah. days so, since so a home win. A small caveat, small caveat. There was no 2020 season, so the, the, the day total ran up. But you're right. It was like the second last game of 2019. And so, you know, something's got to give there. But I just, you know, I, I, the impressive part with, with Winnipeg, uh, as we've seen over the last few years, it's been an ability to scout well. It's an ability to bring players in, and if they're not starting or if they're on the whether they're on the practice roster wherever they are, they feel part of the team and they're prepared. There's a high accountability rate with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because you come in and you're part. You don't feel like you're distant. If you're a practice player, you're cared about by the starters and everybody. And when you eventually get your shot, everybody is looking forward to you getting that opportunity and seeing what you can do and expecting that you, you know, you've done your homework and all those things. And that's why we've seen the Winnipeg blue bombers be able to survive, you know, injuries to players like Kyrie Wilson, Nick Dembski, you know, in this case, Allingson and Jeff code, even Jeff code earlier in the season, uh, Michael Couture at center, you know, like these are key players, um, you know, for their gray cup lineup, if you will. So that's just been the situation with them. I mean, that's been the MO for the Bombers. You know, Mike O'Shea, I mean, it's, I don't know, as a media member, it's it's crazy to hear him say everyone's a starter because it's surely not the case. <laughs> but that's his, you know, that's their mentality. It can be boring at times, but one thing you can argue with is effective. And and um, whether it's Greg Ellingson or Jack, Jack, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat um, or anybody else in the lineup that comes out that isn't named Zach Claris, this is you know, a team that can survive a lot more than I think a lot of teams because of the work they put into building, you know, culture and accountability in that locker room. Hammer, great stuff. Thanks so much for doing this. If uh, you're up in the press box and see my buddy Dusty, say hi to him. I know he's calling the game I always tonight. See, I always see him, and he's been in Winnipeg, and Dusty's so good at what he does, eh? I mean, he's just... That call you know, last week on the uh, on the, the, the bizarre interception to end the game, I mean, uh, he brings so much excitement and energy to the booth, and that's... Uh, a great thing for the Canadian Football League. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Have a great weekend. Travel safely, and we'll catch up next week. Yeah, Huss, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for bringing up the Hockey Canada stuff. Uh, you know, read that stuff. Think about it. Digest it. It's it's important. Supporting those people are important. 
Um, so getting the opportunity to talk about it, I really appreciate it. And as always, shout out to the, the commenters. Um, you guys make the show. Take it easy, dude. Thanks so much. There's Jeff Hamilton. Of course, you can read all about tonight's Bomber game in tomorrow's edition of the Winnipeg Free Press and online at winnipegfreepress.com. All right. Uh, we've got lots to come up. A little more hockey talk with Scott Burnside and Marbles on the way. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Of course, they are the title sponsor of the Manitoba Amateur going on at Glendale. And, of course, the spot where uh, you should be going to first if you're thinking about getting into a new whip this summer. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery. Check out all the amazing vehicles on the lot, including a variety of Teslas. And talk to them about that Tesla experience program if you're thinking about going electric. Not Autocorp online at Knot.ca. Weekends here. You know what that means. Head on down to your local beer store, Little Brown Jug, and uh, get set for the big bomber game tonight and uh, hopefully a couple of glorious summer days here in southern Manitoba. Nothing makes the weekend better than an ice-cold 1919, but if you want to check out some of the other popular Little Brown Jug beers, check out the Summer Variety Pack and uh, maybe try that great new Folk Fest lager that so many people were swigging down at Bird's Hill a couple weeks ago. Little Brown Jug. Taproom and Brewery open tonight. Patio open as well. You can get some pints on and pick up all your Little Brown Jug favorites there. And, of course, you can also order online for citywide delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. We just had a great conversation on the Bombers with Jeff Hamilton. Of course, game tonight is at 8 p.m. Princess Auto is a proud sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Blue and Gold and looks forward to hosting Bomber fans outside the stadium at the Princess Auto tailgate zone before next home game. Get their early $5 beers, $3.50 hot dogs and pop, DJ finesse spinning, prizes from Princess Auto and more. It is the place to be before every Blue Bomber home game. And Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new. Is at Princess Auto, two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. And I'll tell you what might be a great addition. If you're maybe watching the game at home tonight with the family, a trip to Nick and Nikki DQ before 8 p.m. kickoff tonight. No better addition to your summer weekend than an amazing blizzard. They've got some great new flavors, including the Reese's Pieces Cookie Dough Blizzard. Take that from me, top of my personal power pole, and those stack burgers as well if you haven't tried them. And hey, if you've got a party coming up, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make your cake and get it ready for you to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs or pop in and check out what's available at any of the four locations. All right, great stuff with Hammer. Big thanks to Rick Bonus. Um, by the way, another great crowd today. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. And you're going to need to be subscribed if you want to be a winner in the marble race. And for anyone that's new or found us in the last couple of weeks that hasn't been here on Friday, make sure you hang around after Scott Burnside will fire it up. The most popular segment every week on Winnipeg Sports Talk is your chance to win with our marble race. We'll do it with our friends at Canadian Club a little bit later on, but you do have to be subscribed to win, so don't wait. Hit that red subscribe button. And, of course, also subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, 
get to your favorite podcast feed and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast for the audio version, which is usually out every day, just in time for your drive home around 3.30 p.m. All right. Yesterday after the program, I got a chance to catch up with Scott Burnside from Daily Faceoff and talked about his piece at DFO on the challenges Canadian NHL teams right now are having in the current CBA and the current market. Here's Scott Burnside. Scott, thanks so much for doing this. It's great to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you as well, and thanks for having me aboard. I love your setup. It looks great, so good for you. Well, thanks so much. We're having a lot of fun uh, fun doing it, and I will say this. Normally, this is a real dead time of the hockey calendar. Not so much here in Winnipeg right now. Let me just quickly ask you about the Jets. I mean, you know this team very well over the number of years. I mean, coming out of a very disappointing season, there were some significant changes that were expected. Um, it has been probably proven Easier said than done right now. I'm still waiting to see what happens with the captain, Blake Wheeler. And now you've got the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation that's sort of come out of nowhere over the past couple of weeks. I mean, what do you make of the challenges that Kevin Chevaldeau is dealing with right now to try to change his team going into next season under Rick Bonus? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, um, it, it's been fascinating to watch it all unfold. And and you're right. I mean, uh, listen, I, I think like a lot of people in the hockey world think the, the world of Rick bonus and, and I just thought his handling of you know coming into the role um being very transparent and saying you know listen you know so much discussion for such a long time about Barry Trotz and whether you know Barry Trotz was going to be a guy who come in and not just take over the head coaching role but also maybe some sort of managerial role and it just seemed like such a good fit and, and you know obviously it wasn't you know wasn't time for Gary to do that. And, uh, and I thought that Rick bonus is whatever happens, you know, is it a one year thing? Is it a two year thing? Whatever happens, I think he is a really good person in this time for this organization. I think, uh, you know, we saw it in, in Dallas uh, with Robertson and Ottinger and Rope hints. There are young players who really thrive playing for Rick bonus. I, I think in general, people love playing for him. And I think it's also fair to say that Winnipeg's a place mm-hmm. that it has been, it's, it hasn't always been smooth sailing, right? I mean, there are issues within that locker room, strong personalities. Do people want to stay? What's going to happen? I mean, the whole line A for Dubois thing. And, and then to have um, Pierre-Luc Dubois sort of, you know, a <laughs> hundred miles ahead of when it really needs to be done to say, I don't really want to stay here. I don't know. It's it's got to be discouraging, and it's got to make. I always think that you know Kevin Chevaldeoff probably has a job that if it's not harder, it's certainly different than any other GM in the NHL. I just I think that's the reality there, and I, it is going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. You know, can can Mark Shifley rediscover his career and his connection to the organization again? I think Rick Bonus is a guy who can help facilitate that. What does happen with Blake Wheeler? What is the long-term impact there? You know, we continue to hear nonstop about Dubois and maybe Montreal, but I mean, you can't, got to be very careful about, you know, making changes because someone says they want to, they want to change. I mean, it's a hard thing. Do you want that player around your team? If you know, he's not committed, but you got to get the return. So, you know, anyway, that's a long answer to, man, that's, it's a crazy off season and, and a lot of work for Kevin Shovel Dayoff. And I'll just say right now, he probably deserves a raise. I hope he's listening. <laughs> um, 
you know, when it comes to bonus, um, I think everyone knows sort of outwardly what a positive guy he is. You know him quite well. I mean, for a team that needs to be uh, probably have a little bit more fun to have an atmosphere that needs lightened up as well as to empower some young players that maybe feel that they haven't been given the opportunity that they should. What, what does he bring to the table from your experience? Yeah, well, and I think I think it's I think you just you hit the, you hit it. It's it, it's experience, and it's and he spent a long time working with some of the best coaches in the NHL. And think of the time he spent with John Cooper in Tampa, and you know to have an opportunity in Dallas, you know even though the circumstances there taking over for Jim Montgomery and then going to a Stanley Cup final, you know again I think that shows his ability to. Um, you know, to, to bring consensus to the room. I mean, things could have gone very differently in Dallas, given the the abrupt nature of that coaching change um, early in two seasons ago. And I think he showed, with his work in Dallas, strong personalities in that room, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and John Klingberg, there's a lot going on in that room, and he got the absolute best out of them and 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 going to a Stanley Cup final. So I think that's, I think that's, important in Winnipeg and it's 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 a fine line right I mean you yes you want to have fun but this is a team that's underachieved pretty dramatically so how do you how do you balance those two things how do you get the most out of what is a talented underachieving roster in recent years but and maybe that's how you get the most out of them is making it a a place that people want to come to work it's it's easy for me to say it I I don't know how you achieve it as a coach my sense is, though, Rick Bonus will have so much experience to draw on in those kinds of circumstances that I, I expect I expect big things from this team. This is a really good team. I, you know, I wasn't alone. I, I thought they were a playoff team for sure. My podcast co-host and co-worker, Mike McKenna, had them winning the cup. I always like to bring that up to him every once in a while. But I, I think they're I think they're a playoff team. They should have been a playoff team this year. Um, I, I, to me, they're one of the great stories moving in and we can't, we're still weeks and weeks away from training camp. I think they're one of the great stories heading into the 22, 23 season. You know, you mentioned what happened in Dallas and, and I think, I mean, one of the things that makes Rick bonus, I mean, the guy that the jets went with is his ability to handle personalities. And I think that is going to be a huge part of this change that, you know, we assume will happen at some point under his to under his guidance here in Winnipeg. But I want to ask you about the Dallas experience because you had such a, a front row seat for it. Um, not only did he take a team that was very iffy defensively and turn them into a pretty stout defensive team when they needed it, but as those the younger players got bigger roles and really took over the mantle of the go-to guys, it yeah. seems like he didn't lose guys like Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn. How did he do that? I'm, that's great. That's a great question. But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you you saw you know, whether it was Robertson or Hintz or, you know, Miro Haskin in on the back end. I remember talking to John Klingberg during the Stanley Cup run in 20, right? So the first bubble final playoff where they went to the final. And, you know, John Klingberg's a, you know, very proud guy. He's committed a lot to that team. But I, I felt his comments, he talk, he's like, I'm the number one fan of Miro Haskin. Right. So as the roles change there under uh, Rick Bonus, you know, John Klingberg wasn't put out. He was not a guy who was, you know, he, he did not, 
you know, rail against what was happening, but embraced it. And that, I, you know, that goes to the coaching. I think it goes to the message. I mean, you have to have good character people who can accept those kinds of things. So if you don't have them, I'm not sure what kind of coach makes that happen. But, but, and I think you're probably seeing some of that in Winnipeg already. And I think of, I keep saying this to people. It's not, it's not secret, right? But is Kyle Connor not maybe the best player that people aren't like sort of truly embracing in the NHL. Like I, I think, I think he is on the cusp of, you know, literally the sky's the minute. And, you know, so those are, it's important to empower those players. Right. So, you know, my guess is Rick bonus will give Al Connor as much leash as he can possibly handle. And my guess is that the rest of the team will want to be, pulling along there, but it's not every team's like that. So you, it's a great question. I don't know the specific answer, but he's going to have to do it again in Winnipeg. That's my guess. Scott Burnside's with us from a daily face off. You can follow him on Twitter at overtime. Scott B. Um, there's still so much that needs and we expect to happen at some point. And we know that it's very difficult, especially making trades uh, for the salaries that we've talking about. That being said, the shoe has dropped not once, but twice in Calgary. Um, Brad Treliving went from a dream season to a nightmare off season. I mean, what do you make of what has happened with the Flames and what will be left with them after Matthew Kachuk is presumably traded? Yeah, no, it, it, it's hard. I keep saying this, you know, it's hard to feel sorry for, you know, people who make a lot of money, you know, basically playing or managing a game. But I do feel bad for Brad Treliving. And I feel bad for Calgary fans who... I think rightfully, even though the disappointment at losing in five games to Edmonton in the second round, it's got, you know, it kind of sucked for them, uh, but it's a really good team. It's a great city. Um, it, it was, it looked to be built exactly the way you want your team to be built to not just have success and make the playoffs, but to, you know, take a legitimate run at a cup. And, you know, I, I must admit I was a bit skeptical when Daryl Sutter took over, but I really do think he's a good fit for this team and how they're built. They play hard. They, no, I thought the relationship between Daryl Sutter and Johnny Gaudreau was, I, I think outwardly people wondered, I wondered if that could work out because maybe they won't be able to find common ground, but they did. And the praise that Daryl Sutter had for Johnny Gaudreau, I, I really thought that he was coming back. I, I just, I thought that would happen. And it didn't. And Johnny Gaudreau, can, he, he earned the right to go wherever he and his family decided they wanted to go. And it turned out to be Columbus. I get that people in Calgary are upset and, and maybe it shouldn't be all that surprising that Matthew Kachuk has gone this way and and going by reports, certainly from the athletic to begin with that he wasn't interested in signing a long-term deal. Um, You know, team goes to arbitration. So now you're looking at, you've got to move this asset and sooner than later, or else you run into a very, you know, the same thing next summer as he comes to the end of a one-year deal and skate and he skates into unrestricted free agency. So you can't have that happen. So basically, now Brad for Living is being forced to find a trade partner. Now, can you return assets, some of which might be able to step right into your roster, and so that you? <laughs> I have to go back and look now. Johnny Gaudreau had 115 points. Yeah. Matthew Kachuk's north of 40 goals. And you don't you don't snap your fingers. Now, listen, if you turn around and use that cap space and Nazem Kadri comes to town and maybe you're maybe the, the step back isn't as um, dramatic, but that's a lot of ifs. And again, it's hard in lots of Canadian markets 
to fill those holes with with big name free agents. It is. It's hard to keep those players, and it's hard to fill those spaces with those kinds of players on the marketplace. And like I'm not saying that Cal, they're still good enough. They're still a playoff team in a fairly weak. Well, not fairly. It's a pretty weak Pacific Division. Should still be a playoff team. Great goaltending, good defense, all that stuff. But you you can't take those two pieces out of your lineup and then say, well, how close are we to a Stanley Cup? Well, you're you're just in the gray middle zone with 20 other teams. That's just the reality. Yeah, and they certainly weren't there last year as one of the top teams. And I mean, they've lost two thirds of the best line in hockey last year. The one thing about this, I and mean, we always say, um, hey, money talks. Johnny Gaudreau left $15 million on the table to go to Columbus. And I think that was what really stung. I don't think there's a Flames fan out there that doesn't think that that organization did everything they could to keep their star player. And this sort of goes to the topic of your latest piece at Daily Faceoff. But, I mean, the challenge that Canadian teams have, frankly, that many of their counterparts south of the border don't in never mind getting players to come there, keeping their star players as is. Well, so we every year, and I'm old enough to remember it, you know, as a, I wasn't covering sports, I was a news guy then, but I remember 1993, right? I remember where I was, I remember those moments, and every year since, and certainly in the, you know, 20 plus years I've been covering the NHL, it's, it is a, it's a topic, and it's a topic across Canada. What are the chances this year, the cup comes home to Canada. What is the best hope in Canada for a return of the cup to Canada? Well, there's a reason it's been since 1993 and it's, and because it's hard. And especially since the introduction of the salary cap after the 0405 lockout, now you have the, the, the factors, um, tax, climate, sometimes overzealous media, um, the whole the whole litany of things. I talked to an agent the other day who gets it's death by a thousand cuts. Right? It's not just one thing. It's not just the tax rate because California and New York have high tax rates too. It's not just the climate. Minnesota's cold. All right, but uh, it's not just you know whatever other sort of issues might come to bear. The media is hard in New York or Philly, but all those things come to bear. And then you have an attractive, you know, aspect, you know, Matthew Chooks from the United States. So I, I, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is an American. So maybe it's natural to want to gravitate closer to home. Um, and a lot of markets offer incentives where there is no state tax. So Nash, or Tennessee and Nevada and uh, Texas and the places, all of which appear to be attractive to Matthew Kuchuk. That's another part of it too. And, it does make it, it just makes it harder for a Canadian franchise. It's different in in every Canadian market because none of the 32 markets are exactly alike. But, you know, even this, the agent said to me, we were talking about Austin Matthews. And I said, he said, in some ways, Toronto might be a little exempt from some of, some of this stuff. But in two years, well, in one year, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to have to confront this similar issue with Austin Matthews. He's He's got two years left on his deal. So next summer, if he is not willing or indicating he's going to sign for the long haul in Toronto, then Kyle Dubas, if he's still the GM, has to make the decision that Kevin Dayoff has had to make over the years that Brad Treliving is in the midst of making now. I know the you know, lining and 
and the and Kachuk were RFAs, but still the decision of having to move on from a cornerstone player because they don't want to be in your city. And this agent thinks he says it's nothing against Toronto, but he thinks that because Matthews may command much more south of the border, he thinks he will be departing from Toronto. So, you know, who knows? And I'm sure the Toronto media and the fans will handle it very calmly. I'm sure it'll all just go very smoothly. There. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of Matthews next year, I mean, this is sort of a nice segue to bring it back to the Winnipeg Jets. Connor Hellebuck's got two years left on his deal. Mark Shifley's got two years left on his deal. Blake Wheeler, if he's not traded and is around, two years left on his deal. And two years left of team control on Pierre-Luc Dubois. And that was the one guy we weren't talking about at the end of the season as maybe being, you know, iffy the future. How do you think what's happened in Calgary over the past few weeks has resonated within the Winnipeg Jets front office and what that might, we've often talked about a two-year window, but the more I look at this situation, I think it's sort of a one-year window with this, the majority of this group of players, and we could see some significant changes, maybe more so than people even thought, much earlier than two years down the road. Yeah, and you know, it was interesting. I talked to a team executive for this piece, and and he's he said, here's the here's the thing, and it's not like all players want, you know can't wait to get out of Canada, right? Brady Kachuk's. Locked in in Ottawa. John Tavares came home to Toronto and signed a big deal there. But he did say part of the issue, and it changes, and it's all very fluid, but how close are you to winning? What's the potential to win? And how does that impact your, your decisions as an organization? And to your point now, in Winnipeg, I, again, I still think this, I think the core is there. I, I think there are lots of terrific pieces. I think they are a team that's that's a playoff team and and you can make a case that they're that they they are a they're a playoff type team so you're right what ha- so if you if you get to the playoffs next spring and you go to a conference final or something you, know, you maybe you upset Colorado whatever happens to you does that change those players that you that you're talking about that might be entering the final year of their deal and might consider making a home in Winnipeg. You know, listen, Blake Wheeler's been there a long time. So, you know, it's not, we're not, you know, but for those players, core players mm-hmm. who say, I like my chances here. I like this organization. I like what we're doing. I, I like all those things. It's so, it's so critical now to have a successful year, right? Because if you don't, look, if you, if you miss the playoffs or you're one and done, what's the incentive for any of those players? And I'm not saying they would all leave just as a matter of course, but, but the incentive to get them to stay becomes that much harder. And so you, I think you're absolutely right on. This season is absolutely critical to what happens to this team moving forward. Because if you don't have that, that uh, the lure of you know what we're this close, then maybe then maybe you have no chance to keep any of those guys. Well, and the interesting thing is, I mean, Shifley signed for eight years. Wheeler's time signed two extensions. Connor Hellebuck signed six years. I mean, it's not like these guys are just finishing up their RFA. Dubois is in a very right. separate situation. Um, but at the same time, I mean, regardless, there's one year left of team control. And I would imagine 12 months from right now, the conversations the Flames have just had with Matthew Kachuk will be the same conversation they'll have with a number of players because the bottom line is teams like Winnipeg cannot afford to lose prized assets like that for nothing. And unfortunately, that might mean some tough decisions earlier than the organization wanted to in the first place. Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely true. And it's not, you know, again, it, it's not 
when we talk about the Canadian franchises and, and you know, like no, no team can, can afford that. Now there are teams based on where they're at, you know, like, let's say Toronto, let's say they go, let's say they went around. Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> let's say they have a good run. They feel they're on the brink. Austin Matthews isn't interested in signing an extension. Maybe he tells you right away, I'm going to test the market or I want to wait until I want to wait. No, Steven Stamkos did the same thing in Tampa. Toronto might, you might be able to sell, you might be able to, that's a palatable thing in Toronto, maybe. But I agree in the, in smaller markets, both sides of the border, that's, you can't, I, I, I remember having conversations with David Poyle in, in Nashville and, you know, Ryan Suter leaving via free agency. And in that marketplace, now I think Nashville's changed in terms of its profile and it, the, the, allure of that market but, but you're right if you're nashville or winnipeg or minnesota or you know any of those sort of you know the you know those sort of mid-range markets you're right you mm-hmm. can't have this is why it's so hard for calgary you can't have johnny gaudreau and matthew kuchuk walking away and not recouping at least something that takes your organization forward it, it's it, it's just you can't do it, and it's hard. It's and it's hard to make fans understand that. I think sometimes even like fans are knowledgeable; they understand. It's still hard and hurtful when it happens because you grow attached to these players because you believed in them and their ability to help your team have success. Well, and you know, and just back to the Flames. I mean, they were playing so well and had it gone. I mean, they couldn't even entertain the thought of trading Johnny Gaudreau at the trade deadline. They were a Stanley yeah. Cup contender and thought they had a real yeah. good chance to win the Cup. And here we are. Scott Burnside's with us. Hey, Scott, before we go, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, we still don't know about Nazem Kadri, John Klingberg as well. Um, what do you make of those two situations? And just and any thoughts on the free agent market overall with, from my perspective, a real squeeze, not only on the lower class, but also on the middle class right now. Yeah, and I and I think you that's exactly what you're talking about. It it, it is a squeeze, and it and started with, you know, how many restricted free agents, teams walking away from players, not wanting to be stuck on a qualifying offer, feeling that what what that that money was going to be too much for them, and so we saw players, um, Samsonov, uh, you know, who, who you know, teams just sort of said, I'm I'm out, and I'm going to try and get, I'm going to try and do better on the open market or via trade. Um, I am, I'm a little bit surprised at Nazem Kadri, although maybe just, you know, you win a cup. He's, he was such a terrific year for him. A lot of baggage shed by Nazem Kadri. So maybe, you know, I'm surprised he hasn't signed because I would have had him with all due respect to Johnny Gaudreau. I'd have had Kadri at number one on my free agent list. And I'm a little bit uh, surprised at John Klingberg, uh, you know, spend a year in Dallas. So know John pretty well. And, and this was, this summer was critical to him, right? He'd been on a long seven year team friendly deal in Dallas. I think it was 4.25, something in that neighborhood. He's an elite right-hand shot defenseman. And I just, I thought he, he was going to get paid and he may still get paid, but I, I'm just a bit surprised that I thought it would be a good fit in Carolina. They end up trading for Brent Burns. I understand that. Um, you know, Seattle, I, you know, I thought that might be a good fit. Justin Schultz is there. Does that preclude John Klingberg? I, 
I don't know. I, I listen. Both those guys are impact players. Kadri and and John Klingberg are impact players, and wherever they end up, they're going to change the complexion of their teams for the better. I just have zero idea where that may be right now, and I'm surprised that we're talking about it. You know, eight or nine days into free agency, it's it. It's a brave new world out there. <laughs> no doubt. Part of me thinks just to the Kadri situation that he's looking to see, and maybe they are working hard to try to maybe move a player off the roster. Certainly a Sam Girard with $5 million on the cap would have a lot of interest around the league. And if a player like that was dealt without having much cap come back on, maybe they've got the money for Kadri. And you can't blame him for waiting out and being patient if he can go back to a team that just gave him his first Stanley Cup ring. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent point. And again, when you have the success that he did, you, you, maybe you can just be a little more patient. I, I don't profess to be in Nazem Kadri's said, but maybe there's a little more zen about it. And especially if, you know, Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick have said, don't, you know, let's, you know, do what you got to do, but we're going to try and move, you know, we're going to try and make it happen. And Sam Gerard's an excellent example of a young defenseman who, and I talked to a, an executive familiar with the organization, and he said the exact same thing, that I'm not sure how he fits long-term there. And he doesn't have any trade protection. He's a valuable asset. He's, you know, cost certainty. He's under contract, all those things. There will be teams that would be interested in Samuel Gerard, and maybe that's the domino that allows Nazem Kadri to come back. Scott, this has been so much fun. Thanks for doing this. And uh, I know it's sort of weird. There's still a lot happening around the off season. It's not as dead as it normally is at this time. So stuff to keep you guys busy, but uh, hopefully you do enjoy the summer and uh, hopefully we can chat when uh, the puck drops uh, coming up in a few months. Call anytime. Always happy. All right. Thanks to Scott Burnside. Follow him on Twitter at Overtime Scott B. Great to have Scott on the program. You can read that article we were discussing over at daily face-off uh all right no live racing tonight at assiniboine downs they're back at it on monday interesting note uh, the asd has uh, um asked for an investigation of one of the races on monday on wednesday night i was reading the press conference press uh, release yesterday um obviously trying to maintain all integrity it seemed weird my guy king wit Seemed to, I don't know whether he took a dive or uh, held up or what, but um, they're going to get to the bottom of that. Um, that being said, what a great week of live racing. Tuesday was pretty muddy, but they'll be back at it on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Post time, 7.30 p.m. If you can't make it out, you can always open up an account at hpibet.com and bet on ASD as well as other tracks around the world. And if you do want to make an appointment for a reservation for that world-famous prime rib buffet, give them a buzz at 885 30 330. Uh Boston Pizza will be a great spot tonight. 8 p.m. kickoff for the game. Obviously, your local Boston Pizza Sports Bar. Always a great spot to get together with your gang and watch the bombers on the big screen with big sound. Take advantage of happy hour deals between 3 and 6 and 9 and 12. And of course, everything on that summer menu. Some special summer drinks in the Carnitas Pizza and Tacos, as well as pizza flights are back. And if you're staying home tonight, you can always order online check out their game day deals and order at bostonpizza.com um well we will be doing it for our friends at canadian club in a few minutes with the uh, with the marble race of course canadian club's been a great sponsor of ours and has teamed up with us for our version of the uh, master's green jacket the blue wst canadian club hoodie 
We'll uh, hopefully have uh, our winner in a few minutes and give out one of those. Got to be subscribed to uh, to enter, so make sure you've already done that. Press that red subscribe button and pick up the great taste of Canadian Club and Ginger at your favorite beer store or Liquor Mart this weekend. And you'll also be able to try it if you're taken in Super Spike out at Maple Grove Rugby Park or the Stampede as well. Canadian Club, big sponsors of both events and the products will be available at both. Make the weekend a little bit better with the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and ginger ale. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Remote busy show today. and We do have just a little bit of more jet news before we get to marbles in the cool bet lines. Johnny Kovacevic got a three-year deal with the Winnipeg Jets. 766,000 AAV, two-year deal for the first two seasons and a one-year deal for year number three. Um, you know, we'll have to get him on next week. He was so much fun to talk talk to. Has had just a great rise through the organization with the Manitoba Moose. And many people expect him to be maybe on the club next year as one of the depth defensemen, especially considering he's no longer waivers exempt. Yeah, sorry. I'm just. Did we open the marbles? Did you say for me to do it? I haven't. I haven't done no. it yet. But people are jumping no, I the said gun. We were going to. People are jumping the gun in in chat. So if hey, you don't want to get it, thrown over the top rope yeah. before we uh, even we uh, even start. Yeah, patience, I mean, everybody. So Johnny Kovacevic, three year deal. What like just over seven hundred k waivers exempt. It is a. Uh, two way deal for the first two years, and the last year is a one way deal. However, if you're at, if he starts in the NHL. Uh, going to be tough, tougher to send him down, and and you have to wonder what they're going to do with this you know, logjam of defense. Us, uh, so we've been saying they've got to make room. You have got all these guys who are capable of playing at the NHL level, um, and there's only one, really one spot for uh, one of these lower cost uh, young defensemen. Again, Pionk, uh, Morrissey, Demello, Dylan. And there's Nate there's Schmidt, Nate Schmidt, and Nate Schmidt. So then you got Logan Stan, Stanley. Then you got Stanley, Hainala, uh, Kovacevic. Uh, who else is in Sandberg. there? Sandberg. Sandberg. Like all. Like how many of these guys should be playing? So I don't. I'm not willing to judge the Jets off season until like game one because I still think you got to you know find room to make some moves here to get some more forward uh, forward depth. And there are some players available. I don't know. Sunny Milano. A guy they want to bring in, or who? Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez actually shoots right. Might be a nice addition oh, to uh, to yeah. the club, considering everybody on the team shoots left for the most part. Yeah. So the moving the veteran D seems like the easiest, most straightforward option. We haven't seen it yet. Um, I don't know. I hopefully it happens like mid-August when there's no other hockey news going on. We need something <laughs> to talk about for a bump and channel views. But I mean, it's been amazing this week seeing you know 500 plus people. Every day, including hitting uh, a thousand on Monday, which was out of control. So thank you, thank you, everyone. You this, has been, this has been excellent. All right. Um, so listen, do we want to open it up right now and uh, yeah. get the, get this thing going? If you've already put in marbles, uh, you jumped the gun. You were not entered. Wait until you see the uh, the command in the chat. I will let you know when it is there. Um, but as soon as it's up, put in exclamation mark marbles. We'll give a couple minutes to that, and while we do that. It's open right now. Exclamation mark marbles. Let's, you know, we've got 500 people in here. Let's make the biggest marble race ever. What? What's our biggest entries? Like about 180 or we got to 200 Some, before? Uh, something like that. I'm not sure. And I mean, if you are here, yeah, hit the thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel too. We are, we're closing in on 8K subs. Yes. 
8K subs, and we did hit over 200 likes. Let's see if we can get to 300. But uh, we got 78, 81 subs, so like we might have an 8K party, possibly next week. Possibly. That would be huge. That would be huge. So, uh, anyways, uh, make sure you're subscribed so you're eligible to win the hoodie, and uh, hit that thumbs up while you're at it, and while we uh, while we get everyone in. Again, it's completely free. If you're new, just do it. You'll thank yourself for being in and hopefully we can get up to 200 marbles in this race today um cool bet lines just before we get to the cfl click on over to nhl we've got two nhl free agency bets available right now after this week matthew kachuk where will matthew kachuk play game one of the 2022-23 regular season st louis is plus 300 New Jersey's plus 350, which is interesting because they weren't one of the five teams that he had on his list, but apparently they've been quite aggressive in trying to make a deal. Uh, Buffalo is at 600, plus 600. Ottawa's at plus 600. Strange. The Nashville Predators at plus 600. Islanders and Rangers, Dallas Stars, 700, uh, 7 to 1. Red Wings, 8 to 1. Calgary 10 to 1, Vegas 10 to 1, and the Toronto Maple Leafs 20 to 1. I think the smart money's probably on St. Louis there. I'm surprised that number is actually 300. I thought it'd be closer to like plus 150 or Same. something like that. We did have a report from Andy Strickland today. Um, as I bring myself up, we did have a report from Andy Strickland. Listen to this, Huss. Uh, from FS Midwest and the Cam and Strick podcast. He is saying. Rumor, what are the Dallas Stars trying to do? Rumored to be in the mix with some star players who could be on move. Good players available in addition to Matthew Kachuk. And there's Dallas at plus 700. Now, Andy, I think Dallas he's a was on his guy. list. He's got a blue check mark. I don't think he throws stuff out there unless he's uh, got some legitimate news, though. And that's interesting. Well, Who's Dallas in on? What are they trying to do? <laughs> Um, so there you go. We got odds for Kachuk and for Nazem Kadri. Colorado is even money. I still think he'll end up there if they can move Gerard or somebody else off the roster and get the money for him. Islanders, Red Wings, Calgary Flames, 450. Uh, all that stuff about the Jets being in. Well, the bookies aren't having it. Jets not even listed on the Nazem There was nothing Kadri. about the Jets being in. Like, I could I, start I up, Like I Like, let me... Think I can start a, you think I could start some fake rumor and like get everyone all hopped up? Like, absolutely, you like, could. Like, it was in about random, five seconds, but it was, that's not, not that you would want to do that. I'm, I have more integrity than doing that, but like this random Colorado Avalanche Twitter account, Mile High, whatever, <laughs> puts, oh yeah, this is who's interested in, you know, Winnipeg Jets. They could have put like, a premier soccer league team, and people are like, oh, they're interested in <laughs> Kadri Nazem might go Kadri? to Newcastle. Yeah, what? He's gonna <laughs> stop playing hockey and start playing baseball. And I like, I saw this tweet. I was like, I don't think that this is true. I don't think it's true. So, but everyone was asking us about Kadri and the Avs. People were coming in here. It just didn't make any. It was no. out of no. It was there was there was no source. Yeah, well, if you needed any proof, the fact that the Jets aren't one of the top 15 options for Nazem Kadri should tell you all you need to know over at CoolBet. Uh, bomber game tonight. Bombers are eight-point favorites. But as we said, let's take a look at a couple of these lines. Touchdown score, Brady Oliveira, minus 105. Dalton Schoen, plus 115. 
Wolitarski 115, Kenny Lawler plus 135, Rashid Bailey plus 140, Johnny Augustine 2 to 1, and player reception yards. This is the one we were talking about earlier. Dalton Schoen over 65 and a half. That that has to be the WST play of the day. Yeah. Over at it- Coolbet. Hey, I want to, I want to give a shout out uh, for CFL. You know, you're talking about touchdown score. I just remembered, like, how many touchdowns did Dom Davis have yesterday for Montreal, altering everyone? I can't believe he is still in the league. Darren tweeting out 11 seasons. Good for him for hanging around. I mean, I remember he was here for so long as the third stringer. But the CFL got to get rid of this backup coming in to punch it in from the one. Shouldn't be allowed. Would that you be this? Dominic Davis, Michael Remus. Oh, let's see. Oh man, you're talking oh, about that the new that the new upper deck set of CFL cards. That's Hashtag exactly not, right. Not sponsored. That is exactly right. We should get a sponsorship with Upper Deck. Um, while we were playing the Scott Burnside interview, I started cracking packs from this uh, from this box I got over at Superstar earlier today. Uh, so there you have it, Bombers, Elks. Uh, the Rider Argo game now is down to one and a half for Sunday. Um, so, uh, you can jump on that. And if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST. We'll give you a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. All right, let's, uh, let's load up these marbles, Remo. Everyone's had plenty of time to enter. We can close sure. it up and, uh, let's, uh, let's make this, uh, let's make this happen. Sure. Um, let's do that. I'll check the things. Is there any other points that I want to bring up? Well, let me check my notes here. I got stuff. That I want to talk about. We'll do it while you're setting up marbles because it's like 310 already. Oh shit. Yeah, it is 310. Okay. <laughs> uh oh uh, this case, this has been on the list for a long time. We've got 184 entries in here. Um, nice. So this has been on the list for a while. The ESPN E60 of Habs, not Habs, Avs, uh Red Wings. Oh man, the documentary, incredible. Loved watching it, loved seeing all the players in it. Um, you know, some great highlights of, you know, late nineties hockey. It was amazing. I I thought it was so pumped. Um, I will say I completely forgot about a lot of, I mean, the, the Konstantinov stuff. I like, I had tears, um, watching that. That was heavy. Um, but it was, I mean, we remember the rivalry. There's some good stuff with Claude Lemieux. Claude Lemieux actually came off as, as kind of, uh, likable in it and you like hated the guy as a player um so i thought it was well done i want to know how they got all these interviews i mean a lot of legends in that in that video so yeah no it was awesome definitely uh, definitely worth uh, worth your time all right we're gonna get all the marbles in we definitely have to add brick bonus in bones is getting a marble okay um, bone okay bone for, am i just writing sure bones yeah see, bones all the, caps in bones bones should i put like skull and crossbones emoji uh, it, that's totally up to you oh, yeah. if you would like to do that. Um, and uh, while we load it up, uh, a big shout out to the uh, the lads at Valor FC. Uh, had a nice road draw against Ottawa. They're now unbeaten in four after those three straight wins. And they're back at it tomorrow, taking on Forge FC at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. 3.30 p.m. start for our local squad. I know they'll probably be watching it down at the King's Head if you're looking for a space to to watch it. And of course, all the CPL games are over on one soccer. All right. While Remus gets the marble yeah, set up, I put, I put one in for Jeff and Dalton Schoen. Also. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Anyone else? 
Any last call? I think that's it. Yep. All right. You can open your cards. Good for right now. While Remus gets this done, I'll open up a pack here for you. This is the brand new upper deck uh, CFL. We've got Lewis Ward. Oh, kicker card. The kicker. Got Shaq Johnson. I don't think I've ever had CFL cards before. These are great. Frank Beltre. Oh, get this, Remo. Upper deck game jersey card. You got a jersey? Cody Fajardo. What? There we go. Oh, it's see-through too. Oh, what there a cool card. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's obviously the <laughs> that's obviously the green. I guess that's one thing. That Man, he's got a see-through jersey? Yeah, it's it's a magic card. Magic card. DJ Foster. And then Blue Bomber. Jesse Briggs. I opened about half of this box already. I got a Patty Newfeld, a Jake Thomas. Here's this one. Kenny Lawler. Good old Kenny, back from his Blue Bomber days. And then there was one other one that actually is quite neat. Oh, I got the Armonte Edwards auto. And Aaron Grind's auto. And then now Atlanta Falcon DB. DeAndre Alford. What a that's season a, he That's had a collector's item. You could sell that in Atlanta for some serious money. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. So, uh, yeah, support your local card stores, folks, if you're into it. The CFL new product, the 2021 CFL, is out right now. All right. Uh, where, what uh, track are we doing today, Reem? Okay. I'm getting the music loaded. Don't want to forget that. The nope. track is... The funnel. Is this All a good right, one? We're doing the funnel. Well, do, let's see it. It sounds we good. Know, Funnels are always good. Do we know the funnel? Well, one thing we do know is Tristan Rivers music is going to get us ready for marbles here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's do this. All right, former Marbles champion Tristan Rivers music with the theme song, as always. Uh, we got them locked and loaded, folks. If you're new, this is a little fun thing we do to finish up the show each and every week. Uh, the winner will have a hoodie for you. Just so you know, we're out of double X's right now, so uh, hopefully the sizing. I do got a couple cool bed hoodies that we can maybe replace if uh, that size doesn't work for you. Uh, but win first. We'll worry about the prize afterwards. Uh, Remo, are we ready to go, or are you going back to the main menu here? Uh, let me just make sure that I had the... I just want to make sure I had the... Didn't screw this up again. I'm I'm all paranoid from... Remember that last one where I didn't yeah, when load we, the... Two weeks I, ago, we had to do three... Yeah, uh, we had to do three marble yeah, races. Yeah, we had to do three. Okay. Ugh. Sorry, I, had, I might have had the music too. Like ben Lawrence's... I almost blew his home theater system. <laughs> I don't know... Tristan Rivers, he mixes his stuff very, very loud. So that's what it's uh, that's what it's about. All right, good luck to everyone. Thanks again. I believe this is probably the biggest week in the history of Winnipeg Sports Talk, starting with Monday's show all the way through to Friday. Welcome to all the new subscribers and new viewers. 
This is how we finish off the week. Even if you missed the show, make sure you get here at the end of Friday's WST for the Marble Race. All right, let's do this into the weekend on Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's Marble's time. Here we go. Pierogies and pucks. Bones with an early lead. Rick Bonus after his debut visit on WST. Wouldn't that be a story room? That would be an incredible incredible little um maybe a bit of foreshadowing for the jet season if rick bonus could come in and win in his first ever trip into the wst marble race it looks like daryl moroski is first down the shoot uh james j miller huachenko's in the mix lynn reimer as well Pretty good group uh, with us as well. Daryl's got a little bit of a lead. Hugh's over on the left track. Let's see whether Hugh gets a little bit more juice on uh, this side. And now we're back in all together. Daryl with a slight lead over Lynn, Hugh, and Dennis Grankow right behind as well. Uh, we are in the funnel midway through today's Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Lynn Reimer on the heels of Daryl Moroski with Hugh Winchenko just in the pack. And then a big pack of another 10 to 20 marbles all looking to make something happen. All right. This is where things could get shaken up. Obstacles galore in this side. Daryl makes a nice move, though. Daryl, Lynn, and Hugh all perfectly taking that hill. And now we're back into another funnel. Who will get down first? It was... Uh, you know, Daryl Moroski, this has been one of the most expertly done marble races in a long, long time. Ben Lawrence, Ben making a big move right now. Um, we're in a big funnel. Who will get into the next one first? Oh, it looks like it's uh, Corey. Corey and Paul Carr neck and neck right now. The funnel, this is a great track. Anything can happen. Corio. Paul Carr right now, splitting each side, both taking the left lane. Corey looking like he is in pole position. Paul Carr's going on the left. Can he do it, folks? They're coming right down to the end. Corey and Paul, who will it be? Corey, Paul, Corey, Paul. It's Corey. Corey. I'm going to butcher your name. Or Tricklewitz. Corey yeah. O. Corio, way to go. Paul Carr, Paul, incre incredible performance. So close. Uh, who else do we have there? Stonewall, Dave's in the mix. And yep. Bones. How about Bones? Bo Rick Bonus finishing fourth in his first ever WST Marble Race? That's got to be one of the greatest <laughs> debuts, certainly the best debut of a guest that we've ever had. I think you're right. We've never had a guest win. We do put them in for fun every time. Haven't had to send out any guest uh, hoodies for a marble race, but Bones well, coming in there. What a performance. Rick, Rick Bonus. What Deluxe. This is actually really exciting. It is. It started off as a bit of a lark. People loved it so much. We do it each and every Friday finishing up. But uh, this is the Rick Bonus show, really. I mean, he came in. Had a great chat with us about the offseason, taking over the Winnipeg Jets, and then throws down a fourth-place performance in his first-ever visit into the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. A, a historic day and a hopefully a sign of what's to come. A big, big improvement for the Winnipeg Jets under Rick Bonus. Uh, 
What can we say, Remote? Hey, Corey O, by the way, congratulations. Send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Let me know what size you are, and we can arrange for a pickup. And uh, other than that, Remo, a job well done. Unbelievable week. Record-breaking shows all week long. Lots to talk about. Thank you, Pat Brisson and PLD. Uh, and, of course, a big bomber game tonight and a full week of shows next week with more on the offseason of the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, we'll be talking Monday whether the uh, Bombers are still the class of the league and on top at undefeated 7-0. and Yeah, again, uh, what a week it's been. Uh, record shows on YouTube. I mean, the f- Monday show... We had a thousand people in here, hit 10K views. Uh, our podcast downloads, like we're hitting daily highs. We're up there, what, number 14 right now on the Apple Pod charts for hockey in Canada. Um, yeah, this has been a fun week, even if, you know, what's been happening with the Jets, not so fun. But it, hey, Bones was on here. I think he's giving people reason for I'm optimism. fired up. I've got my positive, uh, my positive headspace back. I'm fired up for this bomber game tonight. I'm looking at the weather forecast. It looks good. By the way, I think I'm going to head out to the Goldeye game tomorrow, as long as it doesn't rain too much. I know they're doing a bunch of uh, special beers, and I believe it's an afternoon game. So uh, anyways, if you're at the fish game tomorrow night, you see me come and say hi. Otherwise, enjoy the football game tonight. Go Blue. And we'll be back on Monday to break the uh, action from the weekend down more on where the Jets are going from here. And uh, who knows, with Johnny Kovacevic back in the mix, a couple new assistant coaches, hopefully we can get another member of the organization on to talk about the upcoming season. All systems go for Winnipeg Sports Talk into the weekend. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks to all our new subscribers and viewers. Thanks to everyone listening on the podcast. Have an awesome weekend, gang. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. We'll see you on Monday, 1 o'clock, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh my god! Shut it down! Let's go! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at WinnipegSportsTalk.com.